Okay, welcome to Research Podcast. Thank you. And we're very happy to have with us Sumit Banerjee. And we want to find out all about him. And we're also fortunate to have with us our pal Jerry Connolly, visiting from Grand Rapids, Michigan, (laughs) by chance. And so. Without further ado, I want to know everything about you, Sumit. Where you came from, how you grew up, where, when, when you can. Now you can't lie about your age. That's permitted here. I can. But, or I can. No, you can. I can. <laughs> but, you, but you're young, so you don't need to. <laughs> and so, um, where were you born? All uh, that. Okay. Uh, so I was born in Houston, Texas. <laughs> uh, and um, when I was six, uh, my family and I we moved to India. We moved to Bangalore, and then um, uh, that's where I grew up um, from six to I was eighteen. And then I went to college here in the U.S. in Pennsylvania, where? Pittsburgh. Oh. Yeah, and then it comes up again. Are you from Pittsburgh? No, we, uh, a friend of Vale's we met earlier today, Lewis, um, is from Pittsburgh, and we talk a lot about uh, the Warhol Museum. Oh, yeah, yeah, you know? yeah, it's a beautiful place. Yeah. Wait, what, about what year were you born? <laughs> Around 1989. That's all? <laughs> that's, that's oh, my it. God. 1989. <laughs> you can't tell people are by looking at them. Uh, I, I've lost that skill at this yeah, point. Yeah, me so. too. Uh, wow, and, and wait. When did you? Okay, that's all, we're only up to eighteen years in Pennsylvania. Uh, eight, Bangalore, and yeah, then Bangalore, and then moved to Pennsylvania. Oh, got it. Yeah, yeah. And how long there? And then I spent five years there, four and a half, five years. Um, and then I spent some time in India. Ooh. Um, went back and. Uh, in the same town. Yeah, same time. Yeah, Bangalore. Okay. Um, and uh, then, yeah, then I came back uh, to the U.S., San Francisco, about three years ago now. Okay. More than three years, yeah. So, wait, let's name the years. That would be 2012? 2012, yeah. Okay. 2012 was... Do you remember the month? Um, it was Thanksgiving. Yeah, it was Thanksgiving, 2012. Yeah. And then, let's hear your job history. Because you went to, obviously you went to college, uh-huh. and you probably supported yourself, maybe, maybe not with a part-time job. Uh-huh. Let's hear all the jobs you've ever had. All the jobs I've ever had, okay. Um, <laughs> so, uh, out of college, uh, when I went to India, I did a bunch of freelance work, publications mostly, and um, uh, designing art books and things like that. Um, yeah, and then when I came to San Francisco, um, I got a job in Daly City um, working on an Indiegogo campaign, which is a crowdfunding campaign for um, activity trackers. as a company called Misfit. And... Um, I worked there for a while, and then um, and then I did a, uh, a yoga teacher training 
also in San Francisco, in the mission. And um, uh, since then, I've been teaching at that studio. Um, it's a studio called Ashta Yoga in Mission. It's been open for, I think, uh, five, six years now. Where is it? In uh, 14th and Valencia. And, uh, yeah, so I'll be, yeah, and I'll be teaching there tomorrow at noon. Wow. <laughs> uh, you should go there. <laughs> uh, I, didn't never, I never leave North Beach, Jerry, but thanks for the thought. Yeah. <laughs> and, you know, I for, did forget to ask you your education history, uh-huh. especially when it becomes more differentiated, like in college. Uh-huh. Okay, so um, I went to school for industrial design. Uh, and it was a Bachelor of Fine Arts pro- uh, program. And, um, yeah, I was, uh, I was really into it. And then my last, my last year at college, I got, I started taking a lot of drama classes because it was a Ooh. drama department. And um, so I'd, uh, yeah, I'd sit in on drama classes and do what they call auditing classes, which is where you don't really take the class, you don't get a grade for it, but you can sit there and listen. And talk, learn. And learn, yeah. So I did, um, so I spent a lot of time doing that drama in my last, uh, my last two years of college, one year, two years of college, and it was mostly dramaturgy and drama theory and uh, playwriting and things like that. Um, and then, yeah, and then I, I mean, since then I've had a number of, uh, like, contract jobs, um, doing all kinds, like, making websites, designing books, and, um, yeah. I don't think I've gone through the whole list in a while, <laughs> starting from... When you say designing books, you're talking about the binding and, and or setting the typefaces to yeah. all of that, or... Um, so usually, yeah, it was, um, uh, depending on how they were printing it, um, setting the typefaces and doing the layouts and, uh, and sometimes covers, um, yeah. This is all digital work or is there some physical, like? Yeah, it it was mostly digital, but on, uh, on my novel, for example, I did some, uh, worked with, um, a letterpress studio, uh, to do the covers. Um, so I try to do physical as much as possible. Um, I really enjoy that. Um, it's more immediate to me than digital. Um, but a lot of the, I mean, a lot of the, um, the paid work ends up being digital. Do you find knowing how to do it physically helps you, uh, be more, helps with efficiencies with digital? Yeah. Just knowing conceptually how something is done? Yeah, yeah. Yeah, I, 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 I'm also into photography, and um, I, I learned, I, I studied uh, photography at college also, and um, I remember working in the dark room um, really mm, helped me understand, you know, Photoshop, like Photoshop became... So a, when you dodge and burn on Photoshop, you've yeah. done it, like really, physically right. with your hands, and yeah. so you know what it means. Exactly, exactly, okay. yeah, yeah, and... Uh, and then, and you know, when when you do it in the dark room, you have to have patience, um, and so you really understand, you know, what decisions you're making, you know, when you change an image. 
but you know in Photoshop it can be really quick you just move a little dial and um, but I think doing it in the dark room first helps and and even I mean letterpress is very similar in that sense like uh, uh, yeah I even even hand drawings I think that's um, I, I enjoy that a lot more than that's something that's always I've always been curious about um, certainly with the age we are in time and in literally as, as people um, you grow up you know I'm, I'm 50 and I grew up things you did by hand and now you can do a lot of it in photographs it's a lot of it's digital but it, to me it's always helped me to know how something is actually done yeah. so I say there's no power and the computer's gone I can still uh -huh. do something yeah. um, but then you can take those thoughts and apply it to a digital world where it's literally easier to do something but you can get more out of the tool you have because you know what what it takes to build it. Does that make sense? I'm sorry yeah. if I'm getting a bit weird yeah. about that, but I agree. No, yeah. it's it's fascinating. Yeah. And it's really nice to hear from someone who is considerably younger and who could theoretically be more in the digital world mm -hmm. that you're concerned at all with the yeah. physical. Yeah. Yeah. There's hope. <laughs> you know, I think you, you guys have just nailed the huge main number one problem of life in February 2016 or whatever approximate time this is, which is, it, it is virtual, digital versus real. Like, this is close. This wow. is real. We're actually probably, I don't want to put it this gross way, we're probably sharing air molecules. Yeah. Literally, yeah. physically. But we could Skype, you know, we could be in Bangalore, I could be in Michigan, and you could be here, we could still be having the same conversation, but it would be, would it be as... That would be too weird. Would me. it be as interesting? Would it be as meaningful? Because here, it's... I can answer that. Do. Because I've only participated in one Skype conversation in my life, and the signal was kept dropping out, and there are all these glitches, and it just... It delays, I don't know, technical impediments, and I, I just felt extremely self-conscious. And you cannot converse well unless you're relaxed. It's true. And not self-conscious. But you have impediments when you're speaking in a room like this, because we've just met. We were late for the appointment. So there's awkwardness that's more palpable because we're sitting in the same room, and yet it's easier to ignore because you just kind of move on. Whereas you will have that anyway with the technological or with the Skype session, but you have, in addition to that, technical glitches, so the satellite not being great. So, I mean, it's just what you have to go up against when you're doing what you're doing. Well, I, like Lydia Lunch said, and this sounds gross, I like to be close enough to people so I can smell them. Well, I disagreed with that, personally. And Lydia Lunch has stayed in this very house several times, for which I'm grateful. And, um, but, but I prefer the physicality of whatever we're actually experiencing now. It's just richer. You know, it's more... I just like... I mean, there's beauty, aesthetic contributions from the sun as Ballard put it I I think one of the most beautiful experiences watching the play of light along a windowsill I mean so, I mean he pointed that out once and just one example of many of what Ballard would point out but he, I mean there's a whole aesthetic multi-sensory component of living 
which satisfies me much more in person than in Skype. But see, if you've had a lot of experience in Skype, then you, Jerry Connolly, might possibly be able to transcend what I call a major digital barrier impediment threshold. Well, it changes things, and I'm getting back to more of what you were talking about in terms of, you know, doing work physically and then getting up and doing the same process Photoshop. on Photoshop. And there are differences with how you do the work and how you feel about it and what the result is. Um, I, I, again, I, maybe it's an age thing. I hope it's not just that. But, I mean, I tend to think there's more value. I take, I grant more value to something that's done with your hands. Like a fo even a photograph, my mm -hmm. iPhone, I can take photographs and I'm like, great. And you can take photographs with a, you know, um, a digital camera? No, a non-digital camera. I'm, I'm losing my oh, train of thought. I'm losing the word. Like but a I'm, film camera. Yeah, yeah, with film. And you might not literally know, like someone mm -hmm. visual looking at it may not uh -huh. know, uh -huh. but if you've created it, you know. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And is there more value? Yeah, I tend to think there is. I, I prefer something that I know was developed in a dark room by a real human. Well, because uh, it won't be perfect, probably. Yeah, there will be variants, but that's true. I See, I'm a person who, who I, long ago I made a joke. Well, I told Jerry earlier that it, years ago I, I said, maybe it was in the punk days, I said, I want... All the music I hear in the future, I want it to be live, mm -hmm. done by musicians in the room. But of course, you can't live by that. You huh. go to grocery Trader Joe's is always playing my favorite <laughs> songs from my childhood or something. And you go to stores, you hear new songs by Adele or who people I don't really know. Yeah. So you can't. Music is so yeah. endemic or whatever the word is, pervasive yeah. that that. I couldn't live by that vow to only experience <laughs> or desire uh -huh. to only experience music live in the same room. And but I laughed. For, here's the second reason: I laughed or I joked that I go to live music to enjoy the mistakes. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. So-called mistakes. I, yeah, yeah. I, I I love hearing it when like the singers cough in between songs and yeah, you know, yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. I hadn't gone that far, but I'll I'll pay attention to that <laughs> next time. Yeah, I'd certainly love to hear like Jellyby offer rap between songs. <laughs> you know, he's he's so political. For me, I like him. I, he will. I grew he, up with that. Come on, he wasn't <laughs> yeah. my friend growing up, but I remember <laughs> I remember seeing him the first time in Detroit in 1982, and Ooh. and thinking, my God, he's so old. <laughs> Well, because I was 17, and he was probably 25. I mean, he wasn't that old. I know. Seven, I interviewed him in 78. He was 19. Okay, so, and, and, and so, no, nah, he wasn't even 25. So, But it just seemed old because he's on a stage, and it was, you know, a real band in a club. So, And then to move here and meet him a, a lot. There's another strange element to that. But. Wow. That's neat, though. Yeah, yeah. In, in our early punk days... There would be like a huge difference between those of us. Every okay, there was the first year, and then there was that second year, and then most of us who were there in the first two years just left. I mean, I won't go into it, but there seemed to be a massive difference between us and the people who came into punk the third year. I'm just talking about San Francisco, 
and um, anyway, it's so weird how quickly schisms can arise, or cultural schisms, or differences, or whatever you want to call it. But anyway, that's a digression. I don't know. Is it? It's it's kind of like introducing um, imperfections into whatever ecosystem you're working with. Where it, versus, you know, are you working on a Photoshop project, or are you just, you know, there is no software for human relations. <laughs> that's um, a dumb. Well, well. There, there is no there is no <laughs> digital um, equivalent to Photoshop for photography for human relations. Really, you could maybe some people would say social media, you know, applications uh, inst- or apps, you know, Instagram and Facebook, but I don't really believe that either. But um, there is no substitute for sitting around a table yeah. talking. Yeah, being in the same place at the same time. Because as Vale was fond of saying, he likes to smell people. Well, I didn't <laughs> say that. Lydia Lunch said. I know. I'm too sorry. I just wanted to bring that up. He's funny. You disagreed with it, so I had to bring it back. I mean, honestly, I don't know her that. I don't know her at all. But I mean, she may have meant that literally, but figuratively, it it has meaning too. The ability to smell someone, not necessarily doing it. And I have to say that I hate it when I pass, it's usually, well, men and women, when I pass them by and I get some scent, some strong perfume <laughs> or some male scent. Those are the worst, it seems like. Of, uh, that, that's, that's some probably very trendy thing I see advertised like, I don't know, Calvin Klein blank. Some brand name. Or well, Brute. B-R-U-T. When we were sitting here with, with Penny and G um, from Crass, uh, Penny was talking about, he, he, he remembered um, in the early days of computing, we were talking about scents and perfumes. For, well, I don't even know how it came up. But someone had made a scent, a perfume, that mimicked the smell of uh, old old uh, computer monitors, kind of the electrical burn. There's, there's a, really, there was a slight odor to it. And men were wearing this because the theory was it attracted women. Because, the, the, because, they would, because that scent was where men are. Wow. So women wanted to be... It was just... But, uh, sorry, that was a weird digression. But, uh, but I liked it. But scents, yeah. I mean, it really... Body smell, yeah, Lydia Lynch, that's where it came from. Yeah. Um, but yeah, odors do really. There are evocative of, of memory and apparently, yeah, apparently yeah. according to Penny, desire. I don't know. No, I remember an early girlfriend, and you just reminded me. She always used this perfume called White Shoulders, and I never smell that anymore. That used to be really popular, but whenever I do, it reminds me instantly of her. Oh yeah, and that was how many years uh, ago? But that's kind of scary. Yeah, <laughs> that does happen. Yeah, yeah. So what if you put that scent that has really powerful memories, positive memories, on something you hate? Uh, you'd go schizo. Well, yeah. I mean, do, you, do you like it more? Are you attracted to it? You know, an, an awful person? That's a weird conditioning, mind control, cult control but isn't that thing what, you is, just suggested. Isn't that what scent could potentially be? You could start a cult and, every, and you want to brainwash all these. Yeah, they're usually younger people who are... For some reason, like a spider, you drew them in their, in their your web, and that might be a reinforcing, you know, magnetize magnetizer, I guess you could call it. 
Hmm. Yeah. <laughs> hmm. <laughs> to help because you need all the augmentation you can get to to keep the cult together. Uh, yeah. But again, that's just about relationship building, which is what a cult is too. It's, yeah, it's whether or not the relationship is healthy isn't the question. Okay, we came up with the Sorry, idea of the, of the <laughs> reinforcing magnetizer. <laughs> now that's a phrase. We can keep the cult together, Jesus. But this is kind of what happens. Is it, it just goes. <laughs> yeah, that's that is scary because we all we all know what cults do. The first control trick is really horrific. If someone wants to enslave you in a cult-like way, they immediately start separating you from your friends by any means possible. Oh. And then suddenly you realize, hey, no, they don't come over anymore. They don't call me, oh. you know, and it really works. Wow, that's scary. People don't even realize it. And, and they do it by making fun of those people or anything they can think of, putting them down uh -huh. you know, and... I've been the victim, so I know from experience. And, um, but it's, you know, I wanted to do a, I've, I've always wanted to do an anti-cult book because it's just basic principles. It, it doesn't truly reply, uh, just a, a, apply to a true cult. I mean, it's, it's like any controlling person probably does yeah. use these in their human relationships, even... You know, especially in a romantic one, mm. in which they want to snare you mm -hmm. or get you to leave your wife or whatever. And do they do it consciously, do you think, or is it... I don't know whether they learn it from watching TV episodes of Dallas or what. <laughs> well, I mean, it, it's probably done consciously and unconsciously because that is how you attract someone. I mean, the principle... And control them. Well, I mean... You know, control in quotes maybe because you're you're yes. when you're when you're meeting you're trying to meet a potential mate or spouse or hookup whatever, um, you're you're doing something to attract mm -hmm. this person, and I don't know, in principle how different that is, than befriending someone to have them join your cult, um, because again you're just trying to attract this person and put them under your wing for different the reasons behind it all may be different, but does that make the behavior that different? I mean, you got to separate the two. There's a way of, you know, you're you're using these certain actions to achieve an end. It's the end that is the the point. But I don't think there should be an end when you're in your friendships with people, because that well, that may not be conscious, as to to your point. Um, well, what I mean by that is, I I think the purpose of friendship is to sit around at tables and dreaming. And and sort of act like a third, fourth mind and dream up new ideas or have them, or just have them appear spontaneously or new word phrases or just fun, humor yeah, too, yeah. you know. Yeah. But that's not conscious either because I didn't wake up today thinking this. No, it, <laughs> I didn't walk in this room thinking we would start talking. You know, this is. But that's the fun. It's the yeah. It, it's not the, conscious. Yeah, yeah. I, I'm. I'm certainly not agenda-driven in terms of writing stuff down on to-do lists. And, and I don't have a five-year plan. I don't have a ten-year plan. Except unconsciously to try to survive. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, that's what I want to do is keep going somehow. Yeah. But, um... 
Yeah, I mean, I think, I, I guess it's sad, isn't it, that they really, if we're here at this table and we, we mainly use words to communicate. I mean, we don't, you, you can't, I mean, yeah, we use gestures too, but let's pretend we're making a podcast. Uh, then you, for the anyone listening, you have to use only words, pretty much. Although I guess we could start playing songs and all that stuff, uh-huh. you know. But it's yeah. all we have is words. Yeah, it was the facial expressions too. Oh, that's yeah, Good point, yeah, yeah. Well, naturally, you kind of only want to be around people you like. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but I mean, if someone's just listening to this, do I have to say Vale just smiled? You know, because people can't see what you're doing, but you did just smile. And does that make it more meaningful? Well, you know, they say that people listening to you on your iPhone, which is the primary way most people talk to others, not in their physical, you know, proximity, they can tell when you smile. (laughs) 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 What they hear, the, the... Saliva smacking against your lips when you your cheeks move, or I don't know, but they say that I, I'm not they. Yeah, I I, I'm talking they about are, the the supreme psychologists in our planet are all marketing experts, mm-hmm. you know, and they and distill down to so that you will buy this whether you even don't need it. Doesn't matter whether you don't need it, whether you need it, sorry or not, mm-hmm. or want it. Mm-hmm. A, a great marketer will make you buy it no matter what it is. Yeah, yeah that's yeah. the truth. And and I would like to think I resist that by A, never leaving home <laughs> as much as possible, B, trying never to expose myself to corporate media of any kind, especially on the Internet where it's more powerful, but it doesn't really work, mm-hmm. you know. Well, now that you've got your iPhone and when you walk by a store, you'll get something that pops up potentially saying that that store you just walked by has a deal. Ooh, I like that. They know how to reach me. I am attracted to deals. Darn it. That's what happens with with maybe growing up in welfare and, and, and never having tons of surplus income. I do want bargains, and I will go to a store if they're having a deal, and it just happened to me the other day. That's, that's, that's why ages ago I read this in the newspaper. There used to be a great column called The Question Man. And the person would wander the streets, you know, when before you would be considered some kind of, I don't know, criminal or something, and, 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 and go up to just random strangers and ask them the same question. Take a little picture, face picture, and then a little capture a little answer on a notebook or recorder and that would be the column every week Monday through Friday I love that column and of course the one I remember the most is is how do you save money or give us a tip to save money and this one woman who was young with a big smile said stay home (laughs) every time you leave your your house or whatever she said it real eloquently Every time you leave, you will spend money. And I I think it's tr- pretty true. Yeah. Whether it's spending money on the bus fare to you know to go somewhere or anything. Yeah. 
And sure enough, right. I did one of my rare trips to go pick up the Mike Watt zine from Office Depot. And I kind of violated my rule to avoid corporate chains but uh-huh. as much as possible. But the the price, see, they got me. They offered a deal. They have such a low price. You email them your zine, you go pick it up, uh-huh. you know, several hours later. And the price is low. Yeah. And so I was on my way there. I only had to block, I mean, sorry. Ever, have you ever had this phenomenon where you're just saying a sentence and and a word just three words ahead gets squeezed into the word you're saying uh-huh. now. Yeah, 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 yeah. I said block, but I meant to <laughs> say I only had to walk two blocks yeah. to get to Office Depot to get what I wanted. And sure enough, I said, oh my God, there's a moleskin store. I didn't know that was here. And I instantly thought, how odd, just an hour ago, my friend from France came over and showed me her brand new moleskin diary. I kind of wanted it. <laughs> And 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 I had hatched the idea because it's Feb- it was February eighteenth. I said well, maybe they're on sale because <laughs> I knew I never got one because they're so expensive. And I went in the store. Sure enough, on sale. I they were on sale, uh-huh. and I I couldn't figure out which one to get. There are a hundred choices, literally, and I just I don't know I. I I'm ashamed to say I walked out with two separate ones because I couldn't decide because they were, you know, 30% off or something. Uh-huh. But but anyway, it, I only went in because I said, I bet they're on sale. <laughs> Otherwise, I never would have gone in. So you're right. We're circling back to that that alert from your iPhone. You walk by a store and you get a message. There's a sale in that store you just passed. It happened uh-huh. to me in here the other. Here, it yesterday. happened to you. It happened well yesterday. The phone, yeah, the phone just went. I didn't turn this off. I don't even remember what it was, but uh-huh. it bothered me. You like that? I don't like that. I just mm-hmm. I find that kind of thing intrusive. I, I I like to know. I like to think that I know what I want. <laughs> and you're control of your own destiny. Yeah, I'm not, apparently. Uh-huh. But um, but yeah, but when someone's telling me, hey, this is yeah. there. You mean you weren't even tempted to go in and see no, what it was I wish I, I, Honestly, it would be a better story if I could remember what it was. But uh. Well, the store obviously was not one of your desiring. It wasn't a store that you... No, but it happens a lot of, a lot of times if you're um, you know, with Amazon. It um, wasn't in your desiring itinerary. we got to have a phrase uh, for this. It wasn't. Because <laughs> I don't have it now. The only thing I bought yesterday were the books at the... City Lights. Yeah. Hooray. Yeah. Yeah. I love that place. Oh, yeah. Good. Oh, I was so happy. <laughs> well, see, I used to work there, you know. Really... See why I live so close? I yeah. had the world's, one of the world's closest commutes. Yeah. yeah. It's yeah. true, but now you work at home, so. Yeah, that's it's even better. Yeah. I just love working at home because then I don't have to leave ever. And then when you leave, you buy things. So no leaving, no buying things. Yeah, well, I, I've, I've had a very low income for like too many years now, but... But then when you do leave, I mean, I left to make money, to go to Voyager, uh-huh. and, and we're having a pop-up store just for you, and they had a gorgeous display uh-huh. of Voyager? my books. It's, it's at, on Valencia, close to 15th, between yeah. 14th and 15th. Yeah. And Which it's side a, of the street? 
it's it's on the east side, the Berkeley side. Yeah, yeah. And and they set up this ri the 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 people who run that who all who are behind Voyager are very up to the minute in what I call the new visual culture lifestyle. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Um, because they you go in the store and you practically want everything in the store. I mean, they have you psyched out so well. I mean, there's just beautiful things everywhere that, that you, if you had all the money in the world, you'd probably just send the whole store to me, <laughs> you know. But, um, but it's the rise of this weird new phenomenon called curated everything under the sun. The word curator was not in my vocabulary on my landscape of anyone, I'd say, ten years ago. And well, now, because curators did a specific thing, and it was a defined skill, and you'd go to school for it. Now, anyone that puts, yeah, now that anyone that puts together anything is called their. This is curate. what they curate, which may be literally true, but I think it perhaps takes away from the original function. I don't like the word. I hate the word. I always hate every. I hate every it's word. Pretentious. Just be, exactly. I hate every mm -hmm. word that's trendy because it's automatically pretentious. Well, right, and yet I, we have to use these words. Uh, well, you know? Yeah, because if you don't, you exclude yourself from the conversation. Yeah. Well, it's like technology. I mean, I, for years, didn't want to have a phone, uh, a, a mobile phone, because me. I didn't want one. I didn't want people to get a hold of me walking down the street. But then it came down to everybody. I run a, I run a, rec a couple record labels. Mm -hmm. And it came down to everyone I deal with has one. And they may need to get a hold of me while I'm walking down the street so they can buy something from me, <laughs> which makes sense that I, need, that I have one even though I don't really want it. Yeah. So you're kind of, in a way, bullied into buying something if you want to participate in society at some scale. No, economy. It's the, we're econ it's Remember be, it's, Marx. It's beyond economics that, though. It's, uh -huh. it's, it's, it's society. Uh -huh. It's not just the economy. I think it's. I think. I think that was. A, it's a, both. I, yeah, absolutely, absolutely. Because that's the only reason I got my first I, iPhone just last week, so I can take Square, mm -hmm. you know, everywhere I go. Right. Because if I'd had Square, maybe at the vacation. Well, no. At, when I was at Voyager, pardon me, I knew that every everything I sell should be purchased through the store because the store needs their 50% cut to keep going. Mm -hmm. And and they were, you know, they're a good store or whatever. And you got to support everybody who supports you. Mm -hmm. sure, yeah. Mutual aid. But wait, I didn't quite... When I That makes so much sense to me why you got the phone because that's why I got mine. But it's, it, it is social, but it's truly economic. I need every dime I can get to survive. No, that's that's the reason. But, of course, now it's now I couldn't live without it. But for I mean, a lot of other reasons. Yeah, well, yeah. I mean, I came, I, I flew in here yesterday, and I'm trying to get in touch with friends all the time, and I'm never, at a, I'm never at a location. I'm always walking around. Of course, I don't have a phone at home anymore. You don't? No, nah, it's just, there's no... Oh, right. Everyone got rid of their landlines yeah. except me. And I've had, I've heard that a bunch of people have tried to message me on my landline. It does not accept. <laughs> uh, yeah, I didn't know I was calling a landline when I called you. Sorry. Uh, no, <laughs> uh, well, yeah. yeah. Uh, so, back to, we haven't even quite surmounted the, the minimal background for Sumit. 
like, in order to write as well as you do, maybe, it's a cliche question, but maybe there were key books that changed your life or were turning points or, or not. I don't know. It's starting in childhood. Like, for me, there are a lot of books in my childhood that made me who I am now mm-hmm. or contributed. One was early one was Robin Hood, who robbed from the poor, mm-hmm. And, mm-hmm. Or, or, sorry, robbed from the rich, <laughs> and gave to the poor, sorry. <laughs> yeah, that would no. be an interesting adaptation. <laughs> yeah, yeah, let's, let, let's change, let's make Robin, let's change, let's a new it. screenplay for the movie version. Robbed <laughs> <Yeah. laughs> from the poor. <laughs> uh, so Robin Hood, and then what else? Oh, well, for me. But this is supposed to be more about you. I Um, I mean, lots of things like um, Mutiny and the Bounty, uh, which, you know, a man is trying to stick by his principles. Uh But then there's sort of a cruel or evil person above him who Uh who ties him up and has him flogged. Uh uh I mean, terrible image to remember. Or... I mean, there's a whole bunch in my childhood but that, that sort of set me off on a different course in life. Uh-huh. Not just to embrace the hierarchy and please give me a job, mm-hmm. you know, to Mr. Big Corporation that I can work at till I die, mm-hmm. which is the used to be the model for Japan. Yeah. You know, salary man, yeah. corporation man. But oh, we were just talking about early... Super pivotal books that make you kind of different. <laughs> like for me, Robin Hood was so pivotal. He robbed from the rich and gave to the poor. And then he had a band of close friends who did this. In other words, they were breaking the law, yeah. but not in jail. They weren't in jail. <laughs> but now that's a that's a prime philosophy of a major presidential candidate who's Bernie Sanders. He wants to take money from the rich and give it to... The poor. Yeah, income redistribution. So, I mean, uh, 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 an item that was really pivotal to your awakening is now a governmental policy which could actually, if he wins, which we can argue about that until time ends. But uh, that's a huge leap, I mean, because... Well, it's like with punk rock. Punk rock... I in America, I swear we didn't have that DIY associated with punk rock for a year to two years. But everyone after that said, "Oh, punk, you mean DIY?" But I didn't look at it that way. I don't remember that phrase. This is like an an aftermarket, well, you right. know, labeling yeah. on a previous underground. And now there's DIY shows on HGTV. What's HGTV? I don't know. HGTV. It's a it's a cable channel. I think it's is it Home and Garden, and there's shows about do it yourself, home fixer upper. And I uh, like that. That's kind of empowering. Right, but I'm saying it started out as a as a as a concept you may have read about or associated with you know in this case punk rock the example, but it, it grows into something more mass market. But you know, to use a really crass phrase, mass market. Um, yeah, but you know, I grew up DIY in a different way. In the in the it was either the sixth or seventh grade was when I started to become an adult, I think, or, or independent, or me, or whatever the word is, started to grow up, or whatever, whatever. and and that, that year I subscribed, and the money was hard to get then, to both popular science and popular mechanics, 
and they're totally about DIY projects. I remember there was one project about some guy who built an airplane in his backyard, <laughs> you know, and they're all about doing it yourself, fixing it at home. And, and in fact, men in my town, parents would have their own, in the garage, they would have like a, what do you call it, a small carpentry shop? Or, well, there's a word for what they have, a workshop. Workshop, workshop. Yeah. And, and, and of course, the young teenage boys in my town, some of them were working on cars, mm -hmm. teaching themselves how to buy an old car for nothing and, and make it work. Mm -hmm. So I think America, maybe Europe too, has always been a little oriented that way because I remember one of the great books, another childhood book, is, is the series called Tom Swift, Boy Inventor. Mm. And that's like, mm. that's pretty amazing. Yeah. You can invent your own future almost. I don't know if you grew up reading those books. They're probably too early for you. Tom Swift, Boy Inventor. Ah, uh, yeah, that was before my time. I mean, yeah. I'm certainly familiar and, with and it. And that means they, they fell out of fashion. Of course. Well, that means the decline in America. I don't yes, I'm not going to disagree with that so much. Um, and, that's, and that girl director... Um, I mean, girl detective, detective Nancy, Nancy Drew and the Drew. Hardy Boys, the, and the Hardy Boys. I, those that, were that I had. Those were those were actually uh -huh. good training. Well, right for thinking for yourself. Yeah. And, well, just that adults are can be these hypocrites that are criminals uh -huh. and stuff, <laughs> and you're fooled by the facade, you know. Yeah, yeah I remember you know. reading Enid Blyton. I don't know if you. I didn't. Is that more e England? I it is think. England? Yeah, yeah. They used to have it? a bunch of those. Enid Blyton. See, we don't know them. Is yeah, it a series of books? Yeah, it was. A, that's uh, the author's names. It's a series of books, and um, they, were, they were mostly about these child detectives, and um, you, they they were usually on the same shelf as the Nancy Drew books, in in my uh, like middle school. Wow. And, uh, yeah, I remember, yeah, I, I haven't thought about that in so long. It, it was, there was one called The Famous Five, and um, it was always these five kids, and usually the books would start, the first page would be, it's the first day of summer break, and everyone's really excited, and, uh, <laughs> and then something weird happens, and then they have to investigate. And so then they spend the summer investigating. They're, they're never actually solving crimes during school times. Oh, <laughs> important role model. <laughs> it, it, always, it was always during the, the summer break. And uh, I remember like the first page was always like this description of how wonderful it was to not be at school for a little while. And they potentially had plans that all went out the window as soon as a certain event happened. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah they, well, that's, that's really uh, nice because that's life. <laughs> and, but you can't, you can't, you can't direct a kid and say this is what's going to happen. But when you present it as a story, yeah. you've got the lesson. And how many years later, uh, it still rings true to you. Yeah, yeah, exactly. <laughs> That's so cool. <laughs> yeah, yeah. yeah, we need to read one Enid Blyton book. Well, oh, absolutely yeah. no. Yeah, I mean, Secret that's, that's, Seven, Famous Five. I think those are the two major series. That's that's my takeaway from this. Thank you. <laughs> wow. yeah. uh, thank Blyton. you for reminding me. I haven't I haven't thought about this in in so long <laughs> since. I, <laughs> but it's but it's true. That's what they had in that's what they had in my uh, you know elementary middle school you know at the bookshop. Uh, well, I mean, so much of how you, so much of what children do, um, 
it's a, it's a result of you know no inhibitions and ignorance. And ignorance isn't a bad thing, um, you know, because it's something you can get over with learning. But it's okay to be ignorant. But children possess that, and then it goes away with school and knowledge. And you wonder why or how. But it's nice that we retain some of it. Um, and then there are some adults that can put a story together like that that still speaks to it. Yeah. And I remember G when um, she, I think she either said it here or at Lapo's place um, when she was talking about the film she made. She likes the child, the childish quality that she possesses, and she never wants to get rid of it. Yeah. You know, she's like seventy. You know, she's clearly an adult, mature, and rational in a lot of ways. Um, but at the same time, she never wanted to let go of. Because being a child, you are an inhibited because you don't know to be not. Mm-hmm. And once you know, and to be able to retain that is, again, that little spirit you brought up. It's great. Yeah. It's not about being irresponsible. Mm-hmm. Um, I think that's how it can be read by adults. No responsibility is like super paramount word in my universe. But it doesn't have anything to do with a lot of maturity. people aren't responsible. No. And that's one thing. And the second thing is they, they, they well, even I'm guilty of this. They, they don't quite see the, co- the consequences of some little actors they do or some words they say. Mm-hmm. Consequences mm-hmm. is a word that is underused. <laughs> consequences, yeah. Yeah. I mean, you're, if you make a promise, you're supposed to keep it in every molecule of the original utterance if you can yeah. or don't make the promise yeah yeah so so that was the, that was one that I, I wasn't even expecting to talk about uh, book series because you're asking about books well books that were, were turning points yeah. real influential or just weird enough so they stand out oh god I know the first book that I remember reading was a huge influence. It was had some title like The Weirdest Animals of the World or something. <laughs> and it did show you all these things, everything from the platypus uh-huh. to just all the dugong <laughs> to um, the bowerbird uh-huh. to... It's an amazing little cheap kid's book, all photos with teeny text. The platypus is a mammal and suckles its young but lays eggs. Lays eggs, yeah. <laughs> yeah. And it's not, it transcends categories. Yeah. Anyway, this book was super influential. Yeah. And a medical book, of course. I, I mean, a, yeah, someone had the bad idea of giving me a, a an adult true medical text aimed at doctors. How old were you? I don't know, four. <laughs> and and this, this is what happens. It, it got you here. Well, it did. Uh, it did. Part be- of what it, I mean, be- that's... Because it, it had a close-up photo of only about this big, black and white, of the genitals of a hermaphrodite. <laughs> and then I just realized that everything that's categorized is... Every category is subject to deep skepticism. <laughs> yeah. You're a man. You're a woman. <laughs> now, what if you're a hermaphrodite? <laughs> yeah. Anyway, well, I mean, now deep we're tr- distrust yeah. of everything. Yeah, now we're being told we can identify as whatever. Categories. 
Okay. Oh, I know. I'm not going there either. You know why? It all comes down to one word that I don't approve of. Narcissism. It, I, I mean, it's, it's such a tempting, usurping uh, path, I suppose, to take. I want to be invisible. <laughs> I, I don't want people to be looking at, oh, look at my beautiful tattoos or jewelry or crap or haircut or whatever. I would, my perfect wish Says would, the man be, who started it all. would be to... In, in, <laughs> That was Sorry. an accident. That was a personal dig. Sorry. <laughs> but, you know, I would, I've always wanted to be invisible because I love to see people. Because, you know, that horrible statement I learned as a kid also um, from Heisenberg the act of observation alters that which is being observed. And I kind of hate that, you know. I, I mean, I want to look at people being, quote, real. Playing to the camera. Just watch, watching them do whatever they do, uh -huh. and and they don't know I'm looking. And uh -huh. well, yeah, I'd you, rather be that. Yeah, yeah. I want to get the real authenticity. Ah, another overworked, uh -huh. horrible word. No, you can't use it. Because, uh -huh. you know, it's a quest for authenticity. Yeah, it's a pretty awful word. Don't awful. say mindful either. Yeah, yeah, no, you can't. All we I started a list of words you can't use. <laughs> mindful would be one. Authenticity is none. Uh -huh. Cur curate or I don't curatorial. like disrupt anymore either. No, disrupt. I hate yeah. <laughs> because that was that. That's all been perverted by the usage of all these horrible startups down tech startups, which are not necessarily horrible, by the way. No, I but agree. Um, but I understand what you're saying. Yeah. But yeah. disrupt is one that bothers me. Right yeah. now. No, I hate that now. So, it's, you have to be sensitive to how language is constantly changing yeah. and morphing and trying to go beyond it. Mm -hmm. Maybe, and sadly, you're architecting the, ne the next generation of anathema words. <laughs> words, I don't use that word. <laughs> But words, words. I, I think like these days they go out of fashion a lot quicker than they used to, because the internet. Yeah, because yeah. I I, 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 I agree. Yeah. I think now that wait. That's let's think about that observation. Words go out of fashion. Well, they go in. Come uh, in yeah, out they of come fashion. in and out. For, the cycles have become shorter. Bingo. For, that's it. Yeah. Much faster than they used to. Yeah, yeah it, it, the concept is no different because it's always gone on, whereas something right. may have taken a hundred, a year, a generation, now yeah. it's a year or two yeah. or six months. Or yeah. Because, yeah. I mean, now, now you have so many ways you can pump the word out and get people to hear it and see it, and then people get tired of it very quickly because they see it so many times, so they can't use the word yeah. anymore. Um, yeah. That's why it helps, I think, to to read work by people you know who aren't alive anymore, you know, then you really um, you can see through all the cultural stuff. Well, it, yeah, you, yeah, you you can read something that was written at the time, whatever was actually happening. And for example, it rings true to me, and I think Vale will agree, and maybe you too. Is punk rock when I, even even from Rolling Stone magazine, mm -hmm. you read about. Um, the Sex Pistols or something written by Rolling Stone from 78, whereas you read about the Sex Pistols by someone who's 25 now, nothing wrong with being 25, mm -hmm. but written now, it just, it's ridiculous. Yeah. Both have falsehoods, even the yeah. early stuff. Yeah. But the, those were probably more out of ignorance 
Yeah. Um, then actually they're both out of ignorance, aren't they? Yeah. Um, but I know it's type of ignorance. But yeah, it's. Um, I guess I'd rather have some something written at the time be inaccurate because of potentially something missing than something not understood written 25 years later. Oh, I'm totally suspicious yeah. of, of anything. But yeah, the cycles, again, that was a really good, good quote you brought or you mentioned. Um, but yeah, yeah, things do happen quicker now. Especially and it's, it's media-driven. But again, these concepts aren't new. It's all efficiencies, that word again, created by technology. I mean, you can you, we can all walk down the streets. You've got a smartphone, I assume. Yeah, where yeah. You can walk. You can sit here right now while we're talking and look up other stuff or fact check us uh-huh. to keep yeah. us honest. Yeah, <laughs> or something. Yeah, or to one up us because you're you know it's the thing. It's I don't know. Do you you don't need, do you need to know anything anymore? That's what I don't. Another thing I don't like. <laughs> you don't need to know anything anymore. <laughs> it's all in your iPhone. And and what I've also found is. It's it's easy come easy go, it's it's like I can't. It even works on me who tries to resist it. I mean, like I think yeah, it must have been the year the iPhone was invented. I had dinner with a friend and there were young people at the table, and one of them had the brand new iPhone, and so that must have been two thousand seven or eight, and and, we, and my friend said. See, one of the greatest films ever made is was The President's Analyst, starring James Coburn. He told us all about it. And and then I said, oh, who was the director? Well, my, you know, a lot of times you don't remember the name of the director. You remember the name of the actor in it, because you saw the actor. But, and so this young whiz kid with hair down to here, wearing a suit and tie, that's before they got rid of the tie in this evolution of right. proper techie garb. Um, he said, oh, it was so-and-so. I can't remember. I bet you no one can remember. It was just <laughs> But I can up. look it up right now if you want to I know. know. But we won't remember. But we won't remember. Uh-huh. But, but someday I intend to memorize. I haven't even seen the film yet. That's criminal. But it's I okay. want to see it. Uh, I haven't seen it either. See? Well, that's my theory that the status quo is so powerful that that if you're someone like me who's kind of dare I even use the word culture counterculture anymore because we were talking earlier like is there a counter well, well that's a whole other topic is there a counterculture now anymore let's not go there temporarily <laughs> actually actually um, Lewis's point was is there an underground oh underground that's the word underground not counterculture. Yeah. So we could even argue if that's different than the counterculture. But uh, we won't do that either. Oh my god, I didn't think of that one. Underground versus counterculture. <laughs> hmm. Well, yeah, that's assuming that, 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 that makes the assumption just saying that, that there is a predominant culture that you're counter to. But then you'd have to agree on what the culture is that yeah. is being countered. Yeah. And then if you're, of course, the counterculture, you would argue that you're the culture and they're the counter. It's a circular, it's stupid. Never and then, uh, well, then underground implies an overground, right? That everyone does know about, like Adele, whoever I don't know who you she is. You keep bringing up Adele. That's how do you know who Adele is? I just, it kind of hurt my feelings that you would know, but then again, at the same time, it's kind of beautiful because that I you think shouldn't. It's number know. one record yeah. now, or something. Uh, she seems again, I don't know this one at all. I've seen she... interviews that she seems like an utterly cool person really? who does something that I don't like. 
That's interesting. I there mean, she really seems like cool. That. She just seems really just down to earth, and she's got a great voice. I'll give her that. I just don't care. But it's, mm. she seems really cool. <laughs> I see her. She comes off well. But that, that's a meaningless comment, though, because you know, that's just how but I But I love that, what you just said, because I, I, think that, I think that that probably applies to a lot of people who, I hate to use that word, I hate this word, celebrity status. I hate the fact, I know we're in the culture of the celebrity now. We have been for maybe as many as 30 years, but not too much more than this that. This only makes it worse. That makes it worse, mm-hmm. and and yet, everyone who is a so-called celebrity, they probably are, on, somewhere in them, they're an authentic, oh, I hate that word, <laughs> Art, artist. I hate that word, too, <laughs> artist. Everyone's an artist. <laughs> who Who is really struggling to keep their... Another word I hate, authenticity. Yeah. You know? And, because I know, and that it totally makes sense. There's probably a bunch of these so-called celebrities who who would fulfill that, that observation you just said. She strikes me as an utterly cool person who does something I don't like. But she does. But you said she does have a good voice or a beautiful oh, voice. Oh, it, it, to me, that again, I don't know this woman at all. But I just see what I see, you see on television, and it just it just seems like what you see is what you get. There, she's not pretentious. Um, she's not talking about the way she talks. Doesn't you don't I don't infer that she thinks she's better than anybody. Good. It's just what she does. Yeah. It's just she happens to sing and she happens to write these overwrought, really gross songs that a lot of people like. But but she speaks. You, of, what did you say? Overwrought, overwrought, gross, gross songs. songs. That's why. But it, but again, it's also it's, it's just about emotions that we all know about. It's a breakups. Oh, that's really, the worst. That is the worst. But I mean, everyone can. That everyone, is the worst we can no matter experience. How, <laughs> no matter how gross yeah. she's saying it, I know what a breakup's like, and I know what it feels like, and God damn it, she says it well. You know that is the number one problem that people experience in their entire lifetime is probably. A breakup. Oh, yeah, of any kind, a friendship, Every, a romantic relationship, yeah, a parental Especially child. if it's like a couple, a het couple breakup. Huh. Well, I mean, there's the, you know, if you want to get really weird about it, it's just, there's the concept you could love someone still madly, but just not like them. I don't, wait a minute. Oh, I totally <laughs> believe that. Wait a minute. I totally believe it. It's how I feel about San Francisco these days. I love the city still very much, but I don't like it so much. You can, wait, let's say the first phrase. No, I don't even first thought, anymore. best. Well, I wrote it down. You can love something madly, but not like it anymore. I don't know. I, I look at love as something deeper and long term, whereas like is a bit more transitory. And ultimately, what kind of relationship do you want to be in with anything? I think you want to like it. Well, you know, I've always, I, I've been saying for years that I try to avoid that love is a four letter word of the kind I like to try not to use like the other four letter words that <laughs> kind of used to be banned in corporate media but I notice I'm just shocked now I read the San Francisco Examiner because because I, I know one person has a column now and you can use the F word in there no asterisks really? F duh, duh, duh. <laughs> and I don't even want to use that word at all ever in conversation or writing or anything but you can use it now and um, that's the way and, it is but I used society. to try to avoid using all four word, 
four-letter words, whatever they are, and you know all four-letter words. Oh. No, the ones. Oh, the, are, okay, okay, the swear right. words. The swear. Sorry. Okay, all right, all right. Yeah. <laughs> no, <laughs> and no, I no, like no. that. All four-letter <laughs> words. No, you <laughs> like the word four. Yeah, don't, don't use that. Yeah. <laughs> that sounds like an interesting writing challenge. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Well, who did that book without using the letter E? Oh, someone that's hard. Did that. like someone did a book? Yes, really? Yes. Yes. Uh, you don't know about it? No. Uh, oh well, I don't even remember who. It was. Google it. Yeah. Well, E. Yeah. I mean, E is the most frequently used letter, right? And that's the letter they use to break codes because they know that that's the one that's going to show up the most. So that's the one they search for. I did. did you know that? I didn't know that. No, I, we just not. learned another thing. E, the most. I got to write this down. The most frequently in English. Yeah. Well, of course. Yeah. Well, see, we made that stupid assumption. <laughs> yeah. Frequently used letter in English, and that's how they break the codes. That's very interesting, don't you think? Wow. And of course, as you know, here we go. All of our language we're using is it's just one code after another sadly mm -hmm. every word practically yeah. and, and yeah. it's all fraught with metaphor and maybe even deep subliminal striking to the heart of your unconscious with ramifications tra possibly traumatic well, the book <laughs> the book word. is called the veil sorry to interrupt the book you were referring to is called Gadsby uh, written by Ernest Vincent Wright in 1939 um, it's written as a lipogram, uh, which does not include the words that contain the letter E. So, like so it's it doesn't a, have the, it's a hard one. Yeah. The. Yeah. Yeah. That's Sorry. 1939. Yeah. I like that. In 1968, the novel entered the public domain. Yeah. It so. couldn't have any of our names in it. <laughs> <laughs> That's true. Yeah. That's very interesting. And so, um, so yeah, the sad thing about language is that it's so inadequate a lot of times. Mm -hmm. It's so inefficient. It's so, it's so prone to misunderstandings. Mm -hmm. I mean, I, I hear about all these people who break up in the Internet and and, or who posts something or emails something and someone gets really mad at them and, and breaks up with them. Well, I didn't, wait, I didn't mean to say that. <laughs> yeah. And, yeah. I mean, we can't even begin to encompass how much the Internet attached to the smartphone has changed society. Is that the right word? Mm -hmm. It's certainly fair, I think. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah, the way we, uh, yeah, communicate with each other. I I I was um, really like watching the way uh, octopuses communicate with each other. You know, they they use their they use their bodies and um, uh, to send messages. So, for example, um, um, that one one of the related animals to the octopus is a cuttlefish, and so one of the ways they hunt is they um, they shine, uh, they create this almost psychedelic display on their bodies, and they put their victims into a trance as they you know they perform for them, and then when they're there and they're, when they're watching the cuttlefish still, and they 
grab them. And uh, I think it's just that, that whole family, they're called the cephalopods, and that whole family of, uh, that whole class of animals, octopus, cuttlefish, squids, they're very intelligent about how they use their bodies to communicate so they don't, because uh, they can change their texture of their skin and that means something, and the, their smells also, they communicate through, animals communicate through smells. Um, but yeah, I mean, humans, are, I think, like, on the internet are always just communicating in words, and it's that's, you know, so much is lost, like the smells are lost, the um, visual communication, body language, all of that uh, goes away, and I think it um, um, creates a room for a lot of misunderstanding. Is that, is that, is that as we've evolved into quote-unquote higher beings, or we've, we've become more mature as a culture? Yeah. Wait, I, missed, I, I didn't hear what you said. We've evolved as a, to higher beings from, say, the Neanderthal man... You know, as we've evolved over time, we start. We don't have to use body language, gestures, uh-huh. facial expressions as much because our our language skills, our verbalization in theory, is is more complete and better. Uh, well, it's not higher. I think it's Let's, more mental. More, more just unidimensional. Uh-huh. You know, words. I, I mean, from a poetry standpoint, I can't even fathom a poetry involving smells and and body language and, and all visual visual gestures or whatever you, you were saying um, but why not I mean that's why you know the surrealist sort of said that the purpose of language is to create poetry mm. <laughs> <laughs> uh, you can argue with that one uh-huh. but um, <laughs> interesting <laughs> but but I I'm saying this is so weird about to live in a in a in a cephalopod world as a cephalopod. Well, you're kind of the the main predator, I guess. Yeah. <laughs> and you're uh, looking for fish to eat and uh-huh. sea snails or uh-huh. whatever you eat. Uh huh. Well, and the mating dances also. Mating dances in animals are physical displays usually and. Um, rather than, I mean, now it's, you know, you send texts to each other, <laughs> like, you know, like short sentences. Uh, yeah. Yeah, like, I don't think we should see each other anymore. <laughs> you break I, up I, with texts. Uh, uh, yeah, I've heard about people breaking up on the internet. There's something seems <laughs> inappropriate about it. Yeah. I, I don't like to use the word wrong because I don't like to use the word right uh-huh. and I don't like to use the word believe yeah. but but sometimes you're almost forced to use these simplistic reductionist terms yeah. just to talk more succinctly uh-huh. you know but um, there's, I, I would have said in the old days that strikes me as wrong Breaking up on the internet. <laughs> yeah. uh-huh. You can say it now, because it does. But but that it happens a lot, I'm sure. Oh, he sent me a text breaking up. Uh-huh. <laughs> <laughs> a sad face. <laughs> oh, yeah. He said a sad face. Well, yeah. yeah. talking about a sad face with an emoticon or an emoji. I, I love the... What's, wait, what are emojis? I love emoticons. Yeah, Wasn't emoticon just a textual reference? The text reference to like a, so. a colon with a, uh, yeah. an, a an open paren. With the, yeah. 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 Whereas the emoji is the the animated 
Yeah, like the completely yellow. illustrated. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Um, oh. I think that's probably. Well, what's option. on my phone as an option? Are those emoticons? Well, emoticons you can always use with your keyboard. You know, they, oh, emoji! But, but, but the emoji, you. the emoji. Actually, on the emoji, it's, you can use it as, on the keyboard now too. Yeah. Separate, they, they have a separate, it there. A separate yeah. pad. They have yeah. it there. It's, was, it's not your QWERTY. And the, QWERTY I mean, uh, keyboard. Yeah, yeah. Isn't that the word QWERTY? QWERTY. QWERTY. Yeah, cause that's an expanded QWERTY keyboard. I never even noticed, but you're right. You pointed that out. Huh. It's I, beyond, and I and because I was puzzled. See, I've I'm only sent less than ten texts. On my new iPhone, oh, yeah. and one of the first ones I got said, "Nice use of emoji." <laughs> I didn't know what. Did they spell it out? Wow. Or, or, or yeah. <laughs> that's that's, okay. that, that's yeah, a but it's a young too. person who sent me this, uh-huh. like a you know a girl that I think is still in her twenties, you know, but a mover and shaker, of course. They all are that you know. Well, the people I I try to only know who the shakers. <laughs> I mean, I'm not a snob either. Uh-huh. <laughs> it's okay if you want to be though. Uh-huh. But yeah. Well, it's uh, so I was at my friend's house the other day, and um, you've got only one friend. You must have a million. I have one friend. <laughs> no, you must have a million. I, I, I one of my friends. <laughs> uh, no, I don't have a million friends. But good. <laughs> yeah. But you do have a few. I well, think. actually, I could check on Facebook and tell you the exact. Oh number. no, two thousand. <laughs> yeah, they're not kidding. my friends. Take my word for it. <laughs> uh, but yeah, so he he was actually having um, a conversation with a girl that he hadn't met before. He had not met. He had not met, in completely in emojis, setting up a date. Oh my god! And I I could I, you know I didn't believe him until I actually saw it. But there are so many emojis now. You can you know there's boy emoji, girl emoji, drink emoji. Um, and then, like, House, time, bed. question mark. Yeah, yeah, exactly. A glass of wine. Yeah, exa- exactly. And they had the... And it, a condom. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and, That's the forward. <laughs> yes, yeah, they don't have, optimistic. Well, they don't have any condom ones. They don't have any sexual ones. Well, they yet. should. They, yeah. Or they will. Yeah. Maybe. The underground emoji the under, yeah. dictionary. Uh-huh. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah, exactly. yeah. A line of cocaine. <laughs> huh? Did he go out with her? I think so. I mean, they definitely had set up a date. Like there was, it was a long string of emojis, and they set up a date, and they they knew what the now, other. Can meant. you save the the? Can you save a record of those emojis? Yeah, you can. Please do. Okay, I was like, first... no. I'm just saying, if they get on and they get married and they you know, have kids and stuff, yeah, like, yeah. years from now they could whatever platform is uh-huh. existing when they have kids, they could say, "This is how we met." Yeah, exactly. Yeah, take a screenshot of it. Yeah. That's so oh, of the time. Oh, that's what I need to learn, how to take a screenshot of any damn thing on yeah. any computer. I'll show yeah. you how to do that. Okay, yeah. I need to know that. Yeah. I've never known that screenshot, of, regardless I, if it's on an iPhone uh, or an iPad. Yeah. I, I guess I never gave much thought to the concept of a conversation, which essentially asking a date is... In emoji. In a conversation in emojis. Yeah, I didn't yeah. really think about but that. But, th- of course, you, your mind leaps, ah, the first novel... <laughs> Written entirely in emoji. There, there is one. I there knew it. I knew it. So it's too late. I knew it. It's too late. <laughs> it's not written in emojis, but it's yeah, it's it's graphics. It's it's the idea of emojis and, uh, but yeah, like I I wonder if there could be one with just the emojis that are preloaded on your phone. Yes. Because those are the those are all the PC ones. Uh, yes. <laughs> what does PC mean? Oh, politically, politically correct. correct. Yeah. 
Although, yeah, sure, you wouldn't have a condom there. No, yeah, no exactly. way. Yeah, yeah. A line of cocaine, no way. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, uh, but yeah, I, I've so I've for the last year I've been screenshotting all the ads I've been shown uh, on Facebook and Google and all of that because do you do you know about targeted ads? They work. Damn they, it. they were yeah. I hate it. I got yeah. suckered in the first. I said I'm never gonna order anything on Facebook. <laughs> I did oh it gosh. two nights ago. <laughs> yeah. I got sucked. So I'll tell you why I got so suckered in. Uh-huh. How did they find out that I'm that I love flashlights? Yeah. <laughs> how did they figure that oh, out? This is absurd. How many? I'm just looking at the emojis here. Sorry. Yeah. Well, so they know they know that we're sitting together, right? Not, they know we're hanging out, you know. They, um, yeah, it's true. If we're if we're all logged into Facebook, they they do have that information. Yeah, and so they could suggest you as a friend for me when I go home today, you know. Or any, there there are a lot of there are a lot of different ways you can get information about someone and then show them an ad that's relevant to them. So. Yeah, because I my goal is to never buy anything ever again. But of course, that's impossible. <laughs> yeah, like vast reserves of grain in your kitchen. <laughs> I did that. Jerry knows, or maybe he knows. What's that? Or someone came over and made fun of me, because I actually fell in 1999. I fell for Y2K. All the negative propaganda. Uh-huh. They said airplanes would fall out uh-huh. of the sky at exactly midnight uh-huh, uh-huh. on Y2K. You know yeah. what Y2K uh, yeah, is. Yeah, yeah. And I, I bought all these two and a half gallons of water from Safeway or wherever, and they're all sticking up. <laughs> I bought all this canned food. I bought uh-huh. a water purifier. I bought that Coleman lantern seat <laughs> sticking up there, old yeah. technology. Uh-huh. And, <laughs> and um, yeah. it didn't happen. Yeah. <laughs> Flashlights and candles. Flashlights. And batteries. Yeah. batteries. Stockpiled batteries, uh-huh. extra flashlights, uh-huh. candles. It didn't happen. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> but gradually, I think I either ate or gave away that canned food, and, and I just drank all the water bottles. Uh-huh. <laughs> <laughs> Which someone told me the plastic is so soft it leaches into the water and probably gives you cancer or something. Good stuff. Uh, well, you'll get cancer from something if you live. Pardon? Long. You'll get cancer from something if you live long enough. They say every man these days dies of of prostate cancer. Every man on the planet. If they live long enough. Well, well, they don't necessarily die, but but they get it. Every male, huh. all seven, or what's half of seven point three billion? So we got something to look forward to, is what you're saying. Well, I don't know. Ballard died of ca- prostate cancer, and I wish he'd caught it, because then he'd still be alive. He never went for an exam. I was so horrified. That he got it or he never went for an exam? No, that he got prostate cancer because he, because he never went to an exam. One of my favorite writers is J.G. Ballard, uh, yeah, yeah. whom I pseudo-knew yeah. a little. Yeah. But yeah. So, um, boy, what a... Well, you guys are pretty on top of this new world because you both... By my standards, semi-expert at using iPhones. <laughs> I only got one last week. Uh-huh. I've only sent less than, made less than ten calls, and definitely less than ten texts. <laughs> wow! Yeah. But yeah. the but the so yeah, I know I'm a huge, ginormous learning curve ahead. But uh-huh. do you know that that he's here because this is how life works. 
which I mean strangely and by chance, and, and hopefully we have fun living. <laughs> um, you know, Voyager, which is run by, uh, by, I don't know who all the people are, but one of them came over to my house with his girlfriend back in March or April, and they did outreach to me. Mm-hmm. They somehow knew I existed and said, can we come over and buy a book? And I said, yes, because nothing's sweet, no sweeter words <laughs> exist in the world. <laughs> and, and, um, and they, this very nice couple came over, uh, and they're both pretty entrepreneurial because he, he just very casually said, oh yeah, I have a couple stores in San Francisco, like, you look too young. You know, you look like you're in your 20s. And then yeah, where, the gr- where's, he has more than one store? Yeah, I don't know where the second story is. Uh, Union Street, somewhere. I, he probably told me and it went in one ear or out the other. But uh, he says, but our flagship store, is on is on Valencia Street near Fourteenth. He said Fourteenth, but I think it's closer to Fifteenth. And then it turns out he has another store in L.A. But kind of modest person, you know, not so full of himself, which is always charming mm-hmm. to be preferred always. Yeah. And, and and then it, I don't know, he, very recently he got the idea of of having me research over for a pop-up store. And I didn't know, really, a little unclear in the concept, but I, of course, intellectually knew, but not experientially. Uh-huh. And he set up in his, yes, you know, stores have to have big windows. Uh-huh. He set up this beautiful shelf and and it was beautiful in a very simple minimalist way. I guess you call the boards two by fours, which you can get in any hardware store. Uh-huh. And then against these sheets of just corrugated, one was corrugated plastic, you know, corrugated means, mm-hmm. and the other was corrugated tin, or whatever. And he just made bookshelves and put them in the window, two of them. Uh, but they weren't blocking the window. They were they were right angle to the window, so you had to walk by a certain way to mm-hmm. see them, basically mm-hmm. from north to south down Valencia Street, mm-hmm. and you would see it, and and the, and the 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 metal and the corrugated metal and plastic reflected all this beautiful light somehow, mm-hmm. and the books looked kind of jewel like, mm-hmm. and he didn't do what I would have done was max out the shelves <laughs> with all my titles. Instead, he just, the shelves had a ton of it. All the books had that much air uh-huh. on top of them. They, but it really, I it bothered me at first, hey, they could have had more shelves and put more of my books in, but then you wouldn't notice so much, you know? Mm-hmm. There's a space around the books that makes draws your eye and makes them more beautiful. That's This is all my Monday morning quarterbacking talk, you know, and and so he did this, what I call a beautiful display, and I guess a few people were attracted, but I don't even know how you, sh- he showed, Mr. Sanjeet here, showed up, I mean, that's, I didn't say that right, yeah, Sue Meat, yeah, yeah. I knew I got it wrong, yeah. at least I knew, <laughs> yeah. okay, because Sue Meat is a, is an unusual word for me or name. Is, is, I'm sorry to digress for a second. Um, is Banerjee a common name? Banerjee. Yeah, it's a pretty common last name. Because yeah. I went to grad school with someone named Arun Banerjee. Yeah. Uh, Banerjee and I never. Yeah. Heard yeah. Of. Oh, I didn't know you went to grad school on what? Uh, 
I got an MBA. It doesn't really count. That's cool. Good for you. I, that's what I want my daughter to get, an MBA, because I think that prepares you for life. In a very in just two years, I think growing up as your daughter prepared her for life. <laughs> well, thank you for that. I mean, seriously, you know, I mean, the the things that the people that have come through this door that she's, you know, that's just made her life richer. So she doesn't need an MBA. My two cents. Sorry. Yeah. No. no. Well, <laughs> thank, you. thank you for yeah. that. Yeah. But um, uh, where was I? So 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 anyway, I had this display. And we'll have a pop-up store for you from 4 to 6 Saturday. They signed the time. Uh-huh. Or, or no. It might have been 5 to 7. Uh, you know? And, and the two-hour so, block. And, and right he publicized it. On, he says, I have a huge list of names. I'll publicize it. And I said, I'll publicize it to my people, too. Hmm. And, and then I just... I went there like a robot and stood there, <laughs> and and some people I knew showed up for my list, and some other people that I knew but d- either don't get my newsletter or whatever. They said I said oh I saw you in the window I came in. Several people did, and and the the point is I liked it so much. I I proposed to Robert hey, why don't I come in here next Saturday and do it again because I enjoyed it. I mean, I did, you know, and you kind of have to hand sell books. Mm-hmm. They they just don't sell themselves. Mm-hmm. If you're standing there, mm-hmm. I, hey, I wrote, a, I wrote this or something, mm-hmm. it really helps mm-hmm. yeah. for them to actually pull out the wallet and buy uh-huh. the darn thing. Uh, that's uh, true. Huge <laughs> thresh, <laughs> whatever you call it, yeah. ramping up to that. But Sumit here showed up. It's very friendly. I think he even bought something. Uh huh. <laughs> what did you buy? Um, I bought the one about um, uh, say I thought that you bought that. Uh-huh. I I helped translate one uh-huh. of the one of the books I I published was the Confessions of Wonder von Sacher Massach. And the reason yeah. I published it is. Because of course I was reading everything forbidden way back in the early, in the late seventies to early eighties. That's when I really got on the, deliberately searching out everything forbidden. Uh-huh. <laughs> you know, crusade almost. You're you're driven to do these things, and there's other people on the crusade too, and you meet them. Uh-huh. But the point is, I I read a bio of Leopold von Sacher Massach. I'm not into S&M at all, believe me. No thanks. I don't want to experience it. It's just intellectual. But I do like to know about everything forbidden a little bit, unless it's too medically gross. And, um, and, and, and I said, oh, his wife wrote a book, but it's never been translated in English. Opportunity. So I glommed on it and helped finalize the translation. Yeah. You know, and... Yeah. and See, he must be partly on that quest to meet here because he bought it. But then he presented me with a hardback copy of his book, which he authored, and it's called Fiction. You know, and um, and then I read it pretty fast. And but more importantly, I gave it to my daughter, who's only twenty, and she and she says. God, this is one of the best books I ever read in my life, and my daughter is um, 
very smart, but hasn't read as many books as me, as you can imagine. Mm -hmm. But she's definitely smart. And and she would, I said, okay, what'd you like about it? And then she has a better memory than me, and she started um, me, me quoting phrases from the book, like, attention is currency. A phrase that I actually had not in, sort of encountered before, that concept, you know, and trying to make sense of what the hell is this thing called, the economy, the internet, or the internet economy. I just don't get it because no one's ordering my books anymore, and I feel the internet's killed a ton of my book sales, but that's just my skewed perception. And But my, my daughter was just going, oh yeah, and, and there's some other phrase from the book, the, the law of reverse effect and she just loved that and was applying it to her studying for you know she's studying computer science at UC Berkeley now okay. and which is very hard and the reason it's hard is because there was absolutely no prep in her life as a girl growing up boy is different but she's I mean she made a terrible bad joke uh, um, I said how is computer science going and she says dad I'm competing against a thousand, at least a thousand boys who've been hackers since they've been twelve, mm -hmm. and and there was no computer anything in high school or middle. It, I think it should be in grade school now. Mm -hmm. Basic computer science, something or other, and and sure enough, the year after she graduated from Drew, which is the oldest private high school in San Francisco. Um, they finally added a computer science class. Like, duh. Because <laughs> yeah. our, our lives are so ruled by all this stuff now. Yeah. You know, and anyway, so she, her response to your book, no, I don't want to return it, I'm still rereading it. And her response was so enthusiastic that I thought, hence he's here, and hence we're having this conversation, or whatever you want to call it, and we haven't even touched his book yet, <laughs> which is really easy to read, really fast. I said, oh, it's like a mystery book. And then I liked the main character so much, I I was going to tell you, I think you should do 20 books starring this main character I like him so much. Because that's what detective, people who write detective mystery series do. They create a character so likable that you just, before you know it, there's 20 mystery books and you've just read, as I joked, War and Peace. you read 5,000 pages <laughs> about this one person living yeah. their life. Yeah. You know, and um, anyway, so we haven't even touched your book, but, but I, I'm, I'm confident that one of the reasons your, your book, at least I like it so much, is because you're not a normal mainstream grew up in America I don't want to use the word white that sounds racist coming from me an Asian but but you know what I mean there's there's something very outsider and yet sincere about the character I mean the character like me like all of us is truly trying to just make sense of what the heck's going on and especially now that we've gotten so complicated by the internet attached to the cell phone pluriverse or something, okay. you know, that, that, I mean, it's definitely, uh, 
F things up or it's definitely added a lot of confusion in the air, I think. I mean I mean, don't you think you've seen your share of those dreaded images they invented that phrase for on the internet? You can't unsee it. Uh, yeah. I, I would rather not yeah. see those images. Yeah. 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 I mean, I think they are scarring and are. slightly trauma-inflicting. Yeah. And I don't want that stuff in my conscience if I can help it. Yeah. So, where do we go from here? Why don't we talk about how you manage the feat of writing a novel? I haven't written one of you. No. How would, how can, tell us how to do it so we can. <laughs> uh, I'm uh, kidding. Were you two trying to make sense of life? That's mm -hmm. part of the motive. Yeah. I think it's uh -huh. a very yeah. baffling time. I, uh -huh. I would like everyone to be sincere. Yeah. Every person I meet, I'd like them to be sincere and mm -hmm. not have some weird gaming, um, hidden motive or agenda is the word they yeah, use. Yeah. Now, you know, well, let's just be real and talk to each other and say what's truly on our mind and not ask, ooh, should I say that to him or not? You know, yeah. we're trying to have friends that we can be this way with. Don't you think? As much as possible? Or are we? Oh, no, I think we're, not us at the table, but we as people, I think we're more trying to make people think we're doing that, but I don't think we are. Um, because well, because being honestly and say, being honest with people and saying what you think is is oftentimes hurtful, um, and so that's you true. may say something that's honest, and it may hurt the person's feeling right then, but the thing you say true. after that, essentially as a response or part of the initial honesty that caused hurt, may tie it all together and make it a positive thing. But we don't want to necessarily get by Take the that negative. Chance. Yeah. So it is a risk. So you just kind of skip the honesty and go right to the patent on the back and, you know, I love you, man. But the person doesn't know why there's this feeling because there's no underlying. I mean, you can only like, I, I think you can like someone who can tell you something, give you some bad news. Well, maybe. Well, because they care. You're, I mean, unless you, you know, you don't tell someone something bad because you want to hurt them necessarily. It may be the most compassionate thing to do. Could be, but no one. Really, I don't think people want that. I, I'm not saying I want it all the time. I don't want someone to say, "Gee, Jerry, you really suck." And then, and then once <laughs> I tell get, you why. but then I don't stick. <laughs> I, I don't stick around to find out why I don't, because they won't. I'm not going to listen. It's a well, risk. Thank goodness. How much, people, how much risk do you want to put into it? Yeah. You know? Well, you, you know, another bad thing about living now is that you could. I figure I must have literally physically met because I lived so long 10,000 people that's too many my memory bank cannot contain the C lifetime CVs of all these people yeah. and Ballard said well maybe the limits it's in my Ballard book Research 8 and 9 maybe the limits around 250 it's, and he quoted some book that I've never been able to find called The Village Theory which is you know they the, the sociologists interviewed thousands of people, including m many prostitutes who've had sex with tens of thousands of men, oh. or whatever the number is. And they found that for everyone, regardless of their occupation or station in life or status or anything, there's basically about 
the no, about 200 or less, or was it 250? I forgot the exact number. Important, you might call them archetypal relationships in their life, and that's it. Once the slots are filled, they're filled. Mm. I mean, he's, Ballard says it much better in my own mm -hmm. book I published. Yeah. But um, I would say that looking back, the only standard you have to judge friendship is how long they've lasted. Huh. You know, I mean, yeah. and that's the only standard you can use. There's so many people who you meet, they seem friendly, but then suddenly they've disappeared forever. Well, right, because they may be friendly just to try and get through the interaction that you're experiencing with them. And they're too uncomfortable to say, you know, I'd rather not do this. <laughs> Maybe. Yeah, it's, there's a principle of friendship that you want to be around people that you feel comfortable with. Yeah. You don't want to be around people you don't. Uh -huh. And it's just the law of life. Maybe. Is that something you learn? That you the comfort, or is it something that just is? It is. You're yeah, born with I, I would it. Think. I think you're born with it. I kind in a weird way, maybe. Yeah. I, I don't know. I'm still trying to figure out. Well, I mean, it was like in the third, or fourth grade or something that I was walking my daughter home from the from her early grade school, seven blocks away. And she suddenly electrified me by saying, Dad, what are the laws of life? And I never even asked myself that question. Hmm. Laws of life. Laws of life. Yeah. I don't know. Yeah. Isn't that weird? Yeah. yeah. But maybe we're not asking each other the right questions from day one. Yeah. You know, yeah. that question maybe ought to be asked in as you learn language mm -hmm. yeah well I think there's a there's a difference between like cultural laws and like fundamental um, human experience laws you know there's uh, um, cultural laws are the ones where I think we're made most familiar with it's like what is what is accepted in a certain culture and how to behave in a certain culture be perceived in a certain way and um, then the you know I I think what your daughter might have been asking I'm not sure um, but the, about human experience laws which are you know the same no matter what culture you're in maybe but you know it's it I don't know if they exist uh, but cultural laws I you know you you hear a lot of I think in different forms well I certainly do like I don't want to even enter religion. Which, which to me has divided more humans more than it's united mm -hmm. them. Yeah. And, and um, oh, I'm Mohammedan, or whatever the word is, Muslim, sorry. I, I don't eat something. I forgot. I forgot. I don't know these things. Mm -hmm. And, you know, I, I mean, but there's other people who are just the opposite. So that's not a universal law. That's not, yeah, I, I, yeah. I would call that well, Universal yeah. laws are what U I'm after. Universal, yeah, universal laws, like don't steal or don't... Yeah, I would say that's yeah. got to be, don't steal from someone who offers you what appears to be friendship. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so does that mean that you steal from someone who doesn't? Well, you know, I, I made a distinction a lot, a long time ago, that maybe it's okay to steal from a corporation... 
And I, and I, I didn't really deeply interrogate that from, Why, a, from an ethical standpoint. Because if you so. steal from the corporation, you're actually stealing from the people who rely on that corporation for, let's say, mm-hmm. wages, potentially. Um, because it, well, because it doesn't, because whatever you're stealing, if it's a material, if you're stealing something material rather than, you know, you're stealing five bucks from, say, IBM. Um, but if, you know, five, ten million people steal five dollars, that's actually going to affect the company potentially, which and would affect the people, which would affect the people that work there. This ethics is always fun to discuss. I mean, I, I, I mean, I, I, I threw this out there, but I don't. I think I just would rather not steal. Period. <laughs> well, it makes anyone. it it makes it easier because you don't have to have the discussion about what's right and what's wrong. I mean, do you want to steal from people who are uh, like? Did you want to steal from uh, let's say let's say Nazi Germany was a corporation? Did you want to steal from them um, because you may be hurting the people who rely on them? But if you steal from them and you make them less able to say kill Jews, well, you're probably helping some people. So, well, it's a balancing act. I mean, to be perfectly crude about it all. Um, and that's really, you know, do you want to steal or not? I think it's easier to make it black and white. You either do or you don't. Well, you're well in, you're definitely in don't steal from a human whose house they've been courteous enough to invite you to. I'm not going to steal from you. <laughs> <No>. <laughs> I mean, <I'm> <laughs> well, I've had guests who have. Yeah, I've had that happen too. It's, it's kind of rude. Um, especially when I would, if they asked me for it, I probably would have given it to them, so... <laughs> I wouldn't have. Not what they stole. Oh, yeah. that, that's the, that's, I've had... No, you only learn the hard way. I never learned from other people's bad experience or experiences. It always has to be the hard way. Mm-hmm. But that's, a, that's, a, that's an interesting question. Like I don't know why I said it's okay to steal from a corporation, not an individual. I don't know why I said that. Back then, I know I had a rationale then, but you know, mm. the because, context is important. Yeah, well, it's just that you know, it's I'm bringing up the de-evolution idea. You can be smarter twenty years ago than you are now mm-hmm. at this exact moment. Mm. It's possible on a certain area of knowledge or yeah. insight or wisdom or whatever the yeah. word is. Well, I think I think one good example of that is. Um, finding your way directions because I mean now um, you know that your phone does it for you so you don't really have to do it so that you know um, you don't have to think about it that much and you don't have to store you know people's addresses and uh, you know turns and detours in your memory you're following a machine that's doing it so so I think I think uh, people before might have been a lot better at navigating but, but it's not even just the literal navigation. It's just since you're not exercising that part of your brain anymore, what else aren't you able to do that may not be related to simply yeah. navigation? Yeah, yeah. I mean, your, your mind is getting yeah. weaker in, yeah. in some greater sense, but specifically the specific task isn't going to be able to be managed, but something else probably will fall by the wayside too. Yeah. Maybe some sort of de- deductive capabilities. Mm. Well, I know that the muscle is maintained by exercise. <laughs> and I suppose, and I mean, these are exercise, mental. Well, the brain's exercise. a muscle, so the brain's a muscle. It must be. It needs exercising. Uh-huh. Yeah. Well, we were we were talking about that reading maps. Oh yeah. You don't need to read maps anymore. Yeah, yeah. Or That's carry a a map as a guidebook when you visit a strange city. The A to Z guide. You know, I mean, 
What was that London, great London guy? The A to Z guy. Yeah, I loved that book. Yeah. I used to buy it every time I went. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, I've got like four. I don't know why. And just take the first one back (laughs) because it didn't change. Yeah, that's (laughs) true. It didn't change. Uh Most, thank goodness, most of the stores are still there. Like, Uh I don't know. Claridge's. But but anyway, let let's talk about how you got the gumption, and I mean you're here, I think as as at least a partial outsider, mm-hmm. and you somehow, you have to write a novel, but somehow, you actually write the darn thing. There's a million people who want to write a novel like me who don't yet at least, uh-huh. but you actually got it done. Yeah, and I hate to ask. Did you take a class on how to write a novel? <laughs> I mean, but somehow you actually got the thing done. Maybe uh-huh. the, it's the first thing to think of a character that's maybe a little bit like you in some ways, uh-huh. not entirely 100%, but uh-huh. partially. Uh-huh. Is that the way you do it? Um, I, that's not the way I did it, but that, I think that that could be a way to do it. Um, yeah, I... Um, uh, I didn't, yeah, I entered it from a few different scenes, so I actually wrote a few scenes, and some of the scenes oh, were the actually... Oh, the theater experience. A theater experience is one, and, and so, um, there were a few scenes that I wrote before I actually, um, uh, thought of creating it as a novel, and, um, so there was, yeah, there was one scene in the middle, of, um... Uh, when they're in the mansion and uh, one further toward the end of the book and then I started thinking that um, uh, how how do I bring those two together and uh, that's where the idea for uh, making it as a novel uh, came about but it it was from uh, specific scenes it wasn't so much from the central character for me but I think uh, you know I've heard of I've heard of writers who do it like that I've heard of writers who start from the from the person or character they're writing about, but for me it was almost from setting, I think. Yeah, yeah because it's 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 all very kind of vividly described, so you practically feel like you're living there or you are there, which is, of course, what every writer wants to succeed in doing, was to draw the, make the reader do all the imagining, but have it be kind of vivid. You know, like I was just so horrified by the the turtles <laughs> because because I love desert tortoises. I had I had at least three along oh, my life as so called pets. I don't even want to call them pets. They were just they were in my in my company. Yeah, and I love them. And then the, the, that this crass person could come along and and say. We'll, we'll just throw them in the pool. <laughs> they would drown, you idiot. <laughs> yeah. yeah. And yeah. some girl offhandedly or whatever uh-huh. it was. Uh-huh. Yeah, when they're, when they're at the party and they're, yeah, they're a little drunk. Yeah. <laughs> because of the theater, you know, happenstance or whatever you call it, he wrote few vivid scenes and then he wondered if there's a way to connect them and to and, and then he made other. a novel oh. I was trying to figure out how the heck do you write a novel mm-hmm. 
but he did have a real character that I lo that I sympathize with him. I say the real character is a male narrator, because mm -hmm. I wouldn't know how to write a female narrator. I just couldn't do it. I could try, and I men have tried, and maybe they've succeeded. But mm -hmm. for me, it would be easier to. If I were to write a novel, have a have a character like me, <laughs> a little bad hit up, you know. <laughs> no, or maybe I'd overcompensate and make him weigh two hundred and fifty pounds with huge muscles, <laughs> you know, martial arts training, <laughs> firearms training, and all this uh -huh. stuff. <laughs> but. Um, See, you haven't read, Jerry has not even knew you wrote No, I didn't know there was a book until you actually mentioned it. <laughs> yeah, but it, I really, yeah, I really, I really liked it. And, and my, and even better, my daughter really liked it, whom I always think has better judgment than me. You know, it, she has less crap in her head to wade through, you know, t to prevent her from seeing what's really real in front of you. Yeah. You know. Right, right. They, oh, they call it preconceptions. See yeah. how beautiful that is, the whole design? Yeah. You well, know, and then your skill as a just open it. Books. You're open, open it up and then just start voyaging through it. Hey, Voyager, Voyager brought yeah. us this voyage, <laughs> your voyage. <laughs> they did. They did. <laughs> I don't, it, was because I saw, it was because I saw your books in the window when I was walking by. Wow. Yeah, where I, where I practice yoga is right around the corner, 14th and Valencia. So it was chance. So You've never chance. heard of me really before or anything. No, research. But, yeah, yeah. I, I, saw it, I saw it in the window and they said, Are you mush your books? Yeah, that's me. Yeah. Of course, self-published. See, uh, DIY punk. Yeah. You know, punk. To me, there's a cultural continuum between punk and everything now at my best, uh -huh. my best fantasy world. Uh -huh. How would you describe the well, do it yourself. Don't rely on others to uh -huh, do it. Uh -huh. To me, part of punk means also make it as beautiful as you can. Mm -hmm. You know, don't just not. Yeah. <laughs> 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 and and to me, uh, there's three things that I I did a long time ago as a, as essential for art. But you know, punk to me was all about erasing the boundaries between art. And life, art, yeah, yeah. and and trying to make all your life art. I'm uh, doing. I notice I'm doing all the air quotes. Uh -huh. <laughs> and um, and to me, punk was about black humor and and having as much humor as possible in your life. But uh -huh. but not being a. I don't think I'm capable of being one of these amazing comedians who every line they say is funny. <laughs> you know. Yeah. I mean, there are these people out in the world like. Groucho Marx or something. I mean, I read his... I'm reading him right now again. I've read him many times over the years, but he's just... I don't know. It's any situation he's in, he finds a way to... It's dialectics in action to me, because dialectic means as soon as anyone says something, you instantly counter it in a uh -huh. microsecond. Uh -huh. and, and maybe you can craft... Say, utter a humorous response yeah, yeah, yeah. because that you're just tr trying to train your mind to instantly do that uh, no matter what anyone uh, says yeah, 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 microsecond yeah. you've countered yeah, it yeah. Or, or as the situation has said negated it uh -huh, uh -huh. but uh, I just to um, there's some beautiful touches in the physicality of that oh, book yeah. 
I mean, it's, you know, it's, it's very well put together and thought out. And thought out um, and... and the, Beyond the plot or story, which I don't know anything about beyond what I read. Well, I don't know if there was a plot, but, I, but there seems to be a plot. You know, I, I mean, to me, it's just a person... To me, life is about... I mean, I don't know about you guys' life, but my life has been so, so, so molded by chance. Yeah. Yeah. And I could not have planned that. Yeah. Or I made the... Si- what? You you may or may not have planned to allow it to happen by chance, because that's a decision. Yeah. I, well, you have to make decisions in life, always. You're right. at crossroads all the time. So, and it is, they are kind of either-or. <laughs> Even though I try to avoid speaking in either-or language. Yeah. Like, this is good. That's bad. I see. No, there's probably elements of both good and bad in that choice I made. Maybe, you know, or... I mean, I just just hate either-or-nesses or or yes-nos. I just kind of hate these... And categories. And categories I hate, too. Uh I mean, I'm certainly being skeptical. Uh And my... You know, it's only a few years that I got that phrase skeptical empiricism because be skeptical of everything and you can have a wonderful theory about how I, Jerry Connolly, am going to put out this record and it's going to sell a lot of copies (laughs) and I'm going to be able to retire. (laughs) (laughs) That's something that's just not under your control. Exactly. (laughs) I mean, when I had my best seller, I I thought no one was going to buy it. I really felt that in earnest and started working like mad on the next one. Uh-huh. And I was wrong. I suddenly have to stop everything and start cranking out more and more and more printings. Uh-huh. You know. Yeah. But that was a different time. And that book was Modern Primitives. Modern Primitives. A book that, uh, in a weird way, I'm personally the most estranged from, from all the books I've ever produced. Because... Only the people in the know ask me, do you have any tattoos or piercings? But I say no. <laughs> <laughs> what, what, was this, what was this book about? Well, it's a book that allegedly, if it didn't, it certainly was a part of the catalyzing of a major body piercing tattooing movement. Because it starts small and grows. I blame you. Yeah, you saw it probably. You're old enough to have seen it. You have I to be almost when, uh, fifty to know that. I remember when it came out. See, he I remember knows. the. I, I remember when tattoos were scary. Uh-huh. I mean, when only the the people that had them, there was something wrong with them. Yeah. Or they did them themselves, which but, is not necessarily that's a different thing than now. But they were like yeah. jailhouse tattoos. And, you know. Yeah. Um, now it's. I don't have any tattoos, and I'm very proud of it um, because. <laughs> I don't really see the point. No, it's to me one word: narcissism. I'm against it, but um, I don't want to be say, "Oh, look how beautiful my arm looks with that." I don't want to even go near there. I'm anti-narcissist, but I'm glad to know you don't have one or you don't have one. And I asked my daughter to please not get one. <laughs> see, that's rough. Then you got to use reverse psychology on her because she's going to want to get one because she's her dad saying not to. Well, no, I don't know if I said that or not. So. Valentine, get a tattoo. I think it would look good. No, I never said that. <laughs> I, I try never to even let her 
Well, she must have looked at the book, but uh, so yeah, many of my please. books, so many of my books are really inappropriate for <laughs> younger people. Uh-huh. And Do yet I'm raising them? a child. Uh-huh. What? Do you have to hide them? No, <laughs> I can't. They're, yeah. they're on the shelves. Yeah. <laughs> I have to send them out. Yeah. That sends a different. That sends another message too. If you're hiding them. Yeah. Yeah. Exa- yeah, yeah. Whatever. Remember, the, the rural children don't don't. Don't learn from what you say; they imitate what you do. Huh. You know. Huh. I can see that. Yeah. So, I I was proud of saying a little too proud of saying my my daughter has never seen either either my wife or me go come into the house, turn on the TV, and sit down and watch it. Mm-hmm. I mean, I'm against that. Yeah. But she has seen us read probably hundreds, if not thousands, of books for yeah. extended times. And because I'm a huge fan of concentration, yeah. I think it's a virtue yeah. Yeah. just to be able to concentrate yeah. and read a book for eight hours, uh-huh. ver- almost, yeah. without getting up yeah. and finishing. But see, you embark- you've embarked on an adventure with this new companion that's doing everything possible to take away your powers of concentration. Absolutely, the iPhone. And it's the most powerful weapon ever invented. If that were, if we were in an information war or a, a lifestyle war or virtuality versus reality war, which indeed we are all that. Mm-hmm. I know. We'll see. I'm... I'm, I'm, I'm tr- I'd like to write an, my own ethics book on how to deal with this <laughs> uh-huh. based on my personal, uh-huh. rather late experiencing uh-huh. of it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And you guys yeah. are just a million years, years ahead of me in far, as far as, quote, tech goes uh-huh. in, in doing this stuff. But um, anyway, he, he wrote a book which, you know, which I just read in two days or something, I, it kept me up at night reading it, so that's a compliment. Thank you. <laughs> I wanted to know what was going to happen next <laughs> chapter, just like a good mystery book that you're starting to read. Mm-hmm. You know, I, I love mysteries. I love fiction because you can say the truth. You cannot possibly say any of this in a nonfiction book. There's yeah. no way you'd be sued. Yeah. Everyone you know would hate you. All your ex-girlfriends would want to kill you or whatever. <laughs> You know, but in a fiction book, you can tell the truth. Mm-hmm. Oh, wait, let's write this down. Fiction frees you to tell the truth, and that, <laughs> that's another word fraught with peril, truth. <laughs> yeah. You know which truth, yours or mine? Everyone has their own truth, absolutely. Uh-huh. So, so we, we, boy, if we, we, air quotes were invented for a reason. <laughs> we need for us. them yeah. to survive. Yeah. Air quotes, yeah. <laughs> yeah, but this is fiction frees you to tell the truth. Mm-hmm. And so anyway, um, so he wrote a, basically what I call a mystery book, you know, mm-hmm. telling about how his young character is just trying to kind of live a real, oh, I hate that word too, <laughs> a real <laughs> honest, I hate that uh. word, <laughs> You know, sincere, I hate that <laughs> word. Uh, you know, life, I mean, uh, you know, without 
trying to fuck other people over. Oh, I said the F word. I didn't mean to. Uh, you know, just... Without reading the book, though, when you just saw that statement, when you talk about not wanting to fuck people over, you have to include yourself into that. Um, or be as, fucked as, over. As someone to be fucked over. Um, I so know, if, I so have if, been if, fucked if you're over. Get, well, no, by your, if you're fucking yourself over to, to in order to avoid what you're perceiving. You have to perceive fucking someone over as including yourself. If it just includes other people, you're going to screw yourself to make Boy, them... Boy, have I learned that the hard way. Yeah, so it's a different... I mean, that's an important, you know, distinction to make if you're... Yeah, that's because true. Because you could literally... Everyone else could be on the bad end, but if, if, if you're... If just whatever circumstances lead to that, make you better off for reasons you're not... You're not they're ending up on the bed and not because you're trying to hurt them, but it just works out that way. That's not a bad thing. Because you have to be good to yourself. And that yeah. sounds really trite, I, I'll acknowledge. But I, I think it's... You know, you, you know that, that book I, I just bought with you and your company last night? Um, Four-letter word that ends... Starts See you next Tuesday. See you next Tuesday. Did you just invent that? I wish. <laughs> Nah, you've heard that before. I, I haven't. Heard before. Yeah, yeah. It's very, I have it's actually never quite common. heard that. That's how you. Yeah. That's how you say the word without saying the word. That's brilliant. Yeah, I would love to know who actually. <laughs> as an aside, I would love to know who, yeah. made, who made that genius. up the first time. <laughs> Some genius speaking out of the out of the zeitgeist of the culture, the cultural zeitgeist uh-huh. now, yeah. because words are invented by necessity. Yeah. I always feel there's not an accident. Words like that are invented. But I bought this book last night and. And, and I, I, I turned right. The reason I bought it was because someone brought it over Thursday, the mm-hmm. day I, I visited the, the uh, moleskin store, <laughs> <laughs> and, and brought over the moleskin diary and mm-hmm. also this book. <laughs> and she's from France. She's just only here for. She already left. Yeah. Just here for one, one hour, two hour visit or something. But the point is. Um, she brought over the book, and I immediately turned it to one for, opened it at random, which is how I critique books. Mm-hmm. If I can't find uh-huh. something I personally uh-huh. resonates with me within five tries, uh-huh. I probably don't buy the book yeah. or ever read it. Yeah. And they have to be totally uh-huh. random. Yeah, I, I do that too. Open a random page and yeah. read a few sentences. Yeah. <laughs> I'm not the only one. <laughs> yeah. I'm not logical. I don't read the oh, I'll back read the back and, cover yeah, yeah, first, no, no, then no. I'll read the introduction. <laughs> yeah. I'm sorry. I'm just, I, I wish I could communicate to readers why I liked your book, and especially, more importantly, why my 20-year-old daughter liked your book so much. Because if I can communicate that, then maybe someone would actually be have the curiosity and the drive to find the book. <laughs> Which is, you know, there's a million things, you know, competing for all of our attention now, and especially our very limited wallets from some of us. And I I said, this is one of the only books I have read which I think captures the zeitgeist of living now. You know, 2016, post-internet connected to the iPhone, post, uh, because I think, I just think things are really weird now, socially. And it's happened because of this new ecosystem that's kind of taken over the formal (laughs) reality-only ecosystem. 
that I lived in. I mean, sure, I would always get media from magazines, and sure, I'd go to a movie. I never watched television, but I know television probably started this whole thing of people living unreal lives because they're watching TV, you know, 16 hours a day. The housewives sitting at home, for example, that we've attached. <laughs> and it's just, I think human, here's what I don't like. I think human relationships have changed to right now in ways that I highly question, such as me meeting meeting someone who's like 50 years old, you know, a woman who's with her husband. Oh, yeah, this is my husband. I mean, this is a woman I've known for the 20 to 30 years. <laughs> oh, here's my husband. You know, how did you meet? We met on the Internet. <laughs> I don't know. That causes me a little bit of unease. I don't know why. An internet dating site. I well, guess. I mean, there's there's not there's no one in your life now that you that you're friends with that you did not meet on the internet. I mean, he, do you have any friends that you met on the internet? I've got a couple. They're really? Just friends. Yeah. That I just started. You know, James, the drummer for Total Control. You met his buddy Mikey, but I mean, he started writing me in 2006 about bands and trying to get me to do a record and I never did but we kept in touch and then I finally met him in 2010 in, in at the Eagle Tavern and we're friends and I mean he stays with me when he comes well when I lived here he stayed with me when I you know when he'd come to town on tour um, he flew out here last July for my 50th birthday wow. um, before their their the United States tour but yeah we met we literally met on the internet so yeah it happens and so if you can have a relationship like a romantic relationship I don't find that hard to believe well, it's, that's it's a perspective. <laughs> I mean, pen pals. It's, I'm certain it happened with pen pals, letters. You know, it's just a slower process. When you meet someone physically, literally, what is it that attracts you? First, it's just visual. If you don't have that component, you're probably not going to take the next step. But if you're talking, if you start to correspond with someone for whatever reason, you're going to get a little bit of a perspective on who they are, and that's really attractive as well. It's a different kind of attraction. And then if you meet this person and then there's a tiny bit of physical or maybe a lot of physical, it's just, it, it's just not hard to imagine. Because if you meet someone in the flesh and you start talking, then physically you're attracted and then you get to know them. And if, if you don't like the personality, they become ugly. That's true. If you've, ever, you've never met anybody, it's like, oh my gosh, she's so attractive. And then she opens her mouth. And she's not anymore. Hmm. Whereas if you're meeting someone via the internet or whatever, well, they've opened their mouth and you like that. And then you see them, and you still like that. It's just not, I don't think it's that hard to understand. Maybe you've never experienced it. Well, I certainly have not. I mean... Even at a friendship level, I think it's the same well, thing. But it's, it's, that's a little bit more... Making friends, I think, is actually harder than Well, I suppose I have experienced it on, on, in the sense that, that every intern I've had wrote me on email first <laughs> and asked if they could intern, and then they did. And then you get to meet them. That's kind of the same thing. It's more, um, I guess it's more of a transaction but based, you know, because they're looking, to, they're looking to, I guess, essentially purchase something, your time and a, and a skill set, um, an education. Um, there's something more overt about that. Well, but again, it's the, same kind, it's the same kind of, well, it's the same, well, it's friendship, though, mutual aid. Because you're looking for companionship, comfort, growth. 
whatever you're looking for from a friendship. It's kind of the same thing if you break it down, you know, to an unemotional level. It's not as fun or as sexy, but that's really what a friendship is, is you're fulfilling someone's needs and they're fulfilling yours. It's not that interesting to talk about it at that level, I would suspect, but isn't that the same concept? I try to go beyond. <laughs> I, I mean, it's because of my Burroughs training and all that. I, I mean, but especially late in the last few years, I it, it's sort of become it's more more and more three-dimensional to me and not just words and paper. <laughs> and it's just the concept that any two people form a third mind. And what that means is that ideas, phrases, poetic phrases, whatever you want to call them, they can arise if someone you're reasonably comfortable with. And they would, you could argue, never would they have uh, arisen if the two of you weren't there talking at that time. Mm -hmm. And if they do arise, you better write them down. I, you better write them, capture them as mm -hmm. soon as you can. Someone has to capture mm -hmm. them, or they go forever. And sometimes it's easier with certain people than others. You know, we don't know why. Mm -hmm. yeah, but that's the holy grail for me is is something to arise in a conversation that I have never thought of, or mm -hmm. a phrase that's never I've never seen that phrase in print before. And, I like it. It's kind of fun, especially if there can be some humor involved, you know. And, um, and but yeah, mutual aid is certainly that's like a key. That's to me that's a, that's a key part of early punk. It was so underground. You were so hated by most, on sight by most status quo people that you better help each other out to survive. <laughs> Well, to your point earlier this morning, talking about Lewis, talking with Lewis about, um, we, we were talking about underground, and is there really an underground culture in Vail, part of Vale's perspective, and correct me if I get this wrong, um, part of Vale's perspective was that the, the early punk years and that type of underground was not really so localized, but it was more broad, and it was worldwide global. global. Um, and to that point, I think there's a certain element of truth to that, because my experience in the late 70s and early 80s growing up with what was happening with punk rock is I was going, I would hang around with my brother, who was a year and a half older than me, and he had a mohawk. This is 1980, and we'd go to a mall, and people would chase him through the mall like jocks, you know, mm -hmm. big, dumb guys, and um, they'd call him faggot, but this is the best one. They yelled Devo at him, because everyone assumed that punk rock and new wave, everyone liked Devo. But the thing about that is I grew up in suburban Detroit. I have friends who are about my, I'm 50, about my age, who over the years that I've met out here, they yeah. grew up in L.A. or grew up in Montana or grew up in Chicago. We didn't know each other until we met here in San Francisco. Uh -huh. But they were all chased and called Devo and Faggot as well. Huh. And, and I'll and, tell you the order, because I lived through it. In, at least in San Francisco, people from cars, wherever, they'd call you Fag. Mm -hmm. And only later... Did they call you Devo? Huh. But then, and the, and and uh, and uh, I don't know if they ever did call us punk much. Oh no, I no. never know it. No, Devo. It was fag and Devo. That you was, nailed it. Was Devo. It's see, that's something. authentic. <laughs> you know, that's what I experienced. Uh, you know, I remember even in 1980 going to see Gary Newman in Two Way Army at the Royal Oak Music Theater. I was 14. And uh, my parents dropped us off around the corner because my brother and I didn't want to see uh, have other people see us get dropped off by our parents. Yeah. 
And, um, you know, we were walking to the show. We were just dressed like normal kids. But, I mean, you, you, people were driving by this theater yelling faggot huh. and things like that. You know, and the other people who were clearly dressed up weird. And this is the first time I ever saw two men kiss in the bathroom. Oh, two, two guys snorting coke on the on the counter. You know, I was 14. I didn't know. None of this made it. I didn't know what the hell it was. Um, but uh, I just thought it was weird. But at the same time, it didn't make me, I mean, even these two gay guys who... I mean, I guess literally I could have called them the awful word faggot, and it would have been literally, you know, a crass way of saying the truth. But it never occurred <laughs> to me to even do that. But I wouldn't think because they were dressed weird, and they were, yeah. that wouldn't have occurred to call them a faggot. But apparently that's, again, wasn't my perspective. And then the Devo thing was just, they had seen probably Devo on uh, Saturday Night Live. Yeah. Um, and, uh, and Devo was one of the punk bands that kind of bled beyond the punk culture into not, not quite not quite mainstream, but close, close, more national music magazines, certainly, that covered more traditional rock. So there were a possibility that your Led Zeppelin or a Bad Company fan would know uh -huh. who Devo was. Uh -huh. um, but again, huh. but that is more of an underground. That, that, to me, I guess, gets to your point about underground being national, because... You know, global, 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 global yeah. but in this global. in my point, my perspective, yeah. the national is in various pockets across the country. You know, fifteen-year-old kids in '79 and '80 who didn't know each other, who met thirty years later, had the same experience. Yeah, and like us. Exactly yeah, and there was there was no the internet to talk about. You know, right. hey, someone yeah. just called me Devo, or yeah. someone just called no, me faggot. I mean, maybe uh, people fag, not uh, faggot. No, we got uh, faggot. Fag. Oh, you got faggot too. Yeah. 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 I got fag here. Well, there was a lot of that too, but yeah, I guess faggot. Faggot was actually more close. common when I was growing up. That's the word I yeah, heard as a youth. Yeah, that's what I would agree. You faggot. Yeah. You, you might say that to someone. I you didn't, but no, no. But I mean, there were a couple <laughs> of fags, but and also, it also wasn't really necessarily a reference to any sexual. There was no yeah. sexual innuendo. It was just, exactly. It was you know, just it was a just a pejorative yeah, phrase, yeah. and wow. But anyway, I think that was way off where we started but sort of well we were you were that's under the general theme of is there an underground still and my theorizing on that was well yeah there's a hundred thousand undergrounds now <laughs> and they're each around every single indie band uh -huh. I don't know why bands more than anyone else seem to magnetize followers or whatever the fans whatever because it's easier is. to follow a band than it is to follow an artist because yeah. the band's getting up there going, going to your city. Because they but play you gigs. Yeah, exactly. You don't see some painter yeah. come to your town and, hey, I'm going to paint. Yeah, uh -huh. that's it. Uh -huh. It's the you know, old, No one has a, you know, painters, duh, don't, have I a, thought painters that. don't have gigs. Yeah. Maybe they should. Yeah. I've tried to get Childish to do that. I wanted yeah. him to come here, and we talked about it running a, a, this was like 10 years ago, talked about it getting him a studio space, or just a, a, a empty storefront in Valencia, when there were storefronts yeah, in Valencia. Yeah, exactly. Um, and just said, why don't we rent it for a month, and you just sit in there and paint. He could live at my house or on the corner. He just paint every day. Huh. But he and, didn't like it. Uh, he couldn't give up the time, and I don't think yeah. he, he, I don't think he thought it would really do anything for him. Um, Even as a performance art piece. Yeah, know? and well, he doesn't really do performance art. Oh, well, I'm just I know. But from that standpoint, he doesn't. That, I mean, he <laughs> performs as a band, but right. I mean, he doesn't. You know, his painting is different in that sense. And of course, now he's making unbelievable amounts of money from his painting. He is. Oh, I, he's doing I fabulously well. His career. Fabulously well. Yeah. But I'm not surprised because I got sent this ginormous magazine from Japan with him on the cover. I said, wow, he must be making it. <laughs> oh, yeah, he's got, yeah, he does really well. Wow. I'm happy to hear that he deserves it. He's a, he's a good guy. 
Yeah, exactly. But that's yeah. also a perseverance. He's been doing it since the late 70s. Single-minded. That's yeah. He wasn't really... I mean, obviously... <laughs> You know, he's an artist, so he is. There's a certain bit of fibbing going on. He really wanted to make it the whole time. Good, but he wasn't being overtly crass about it. He was mm -hmm. just doing what he did. Oh uh, yeah, no, but that's the way. But that's early really, punks were. Yeah, but I mean, I there was no they denying trying to get famous. There was no it. denying that he wanted to do that and make a living. It's just that wasn't his stated goal. He wanted to paint, and there was a hope behind that 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 paint would. That would carry him through into a life. Yeah, that's approaching the same thing as being so, um, being so driven as to saying, "I want to make money, so I'm going to paint to make money." Or he just did the reverse. He wanted to make a living, but he wanted to do it on his own terms. Well, and we that's all hard. Do. That well, yeah, but that's discipline. That's hard. Hey, I guess I'm the same way then. <laughs> Either that or it's crazy. And it probably is a little bit of both. I mean, I want, I'd, let's put it another way. I certainly wanted to survive. Yeah. But, I don't know. I, I, I remember one of my early role models was my beatnik uncle, who, who, who I thought was a talented painter but never painted, which is a little disappointing. Because he had this one painting on his mantelpiece when I would live with him on Trail Hill when I was really young. And I thought, wow, that's a pretty clever painting through all this abstract whatever it is. There's a naked woman in back. <laughs> but it took you a minute or two to see it. Uh -huh. For me, at yeah, least. Like, I didn't, it took me days to see that. <laughs> but, yeah. So, so why did I think you were one of the only people I'd read to capture the zeitgeist of the time, but yet... There's a lot of people doing that, but I don't like what they write. I mean, I've dipped into them, and it's just too much of a downer for me, too depressing. Somehow, your book seems to give some hope, but I don't know why. <laughs> <laughs> because I don't like to be left with a feeling of despair after reading a fictional narrative in which you try very hard to become that person who's narrating the book. You're trying to inhabit their body, looking out, through, looking at the world through their eyes. You just It's a temporary identity switch you're encountering. Or you're voluntarily entering in to... I think we all want to look at life through someone else's eyes. Yeah. At least it's, yeah. just, it's like we're in a prison. Yeah. And yeah. the only way... Our only way of looking out of the world is through our eyes, uh -huh. and we want to somehow escape that uh -huh. prison yeah. temporarily. Well, that's what stories give us, like any, any yeah. kind of fictional story. They do. Or even nonfiction sometimes. Yeah. yeah, yeah, they do. Yeah. But but I know why. There's I sense a philosophy of nihilism in a lot of, I hate to call it young fiction I've read, but... You know, I don't want to read David Foster Wallace because his philosophy of life it saturates his fiction and he committed suicide. <laughs> I, I don't want to commit suicide. <laughs> Therefore, maybe I won't read his book. And yet my daughter read his book in entirety and loved it. And still, I guess she still does. You know, that huge book he wrote that mm -hmm. made him world famous? Uh, Infinite Jest. Uh, Infinite Jest, yeah, 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 I didn't read it. 
I couldn't. I went right, but I did yeah, read. I a started few, it. I couldn't either. But I read a few pages right in the middle. I, maybe my daughter suggested it. That that kind of amused me. <laughs> I don't know. Dealing with some professor, inviting him to dinner or something at his house. I don't know. It was just something that I could relate to. Yeah. That I that was sort of amusing. Yeah. <laughs> but you know, I hate to say it, but. There's a certain amount of hurt and pain in your male narrator, and and not what I would call bafflement, but the narrator just just um, keeps going, you know, in in some kind of undaunted way. Yeah, but I don't know, there's just a lot of weirdnesses and ambiguities and almost mythologies that that you're that are in your book. And and um how can I say it? I I I I'm in I'm enjoying I enjoyed the narrative and would like to read more of the character's life. Yeah. Because there, there's just funny things in the book that I think can really happen in real life. Yeah. I, I don't want to give the plot away, but but in a way, the book is kind of a, perhaps a bit of a fantasy too, which I have nothing against fantasies. There's some very funny things that happened, and that involves <laughs> chance for sure, mm-hmm. and that's I. I mean, I feel my life is nothing, almost, there's so much that happens by chance, I just can't even enumerate them all. It's just way too beyond. Yeah, you know, no, that's, but, that's true, I mean. And, and, but of course, I'm always seeking humor, <laughs> you know, yeah. smiling, whatever. <laughs> you yeah. keep going. Uh-huh. <laughs> yeah. And, and his character is too in the book, but yet you don't want to give the spoiler they that word they invented for a reason. Uh-huh. <laughs> you don't want to give spoilers away in the plot, but it's it's sort of a minor Ulyssian voyage, the way a lot of books are. Even the detective books you you and I like, it's it's a Ulyssian voyage. You don't know what's going to happen. You just want to survive, out. find out, mm-hmm. and want. But you kind of the desire to find out keeps you up late at night reading when you know you should be in bed because you have to go to work, you have to do something early the next morning. And so, I don't know how to convey the com- how how I feel that, you know, this book called Ice Party has captured this, this weird zeitgeist that is now. But, to me, it has. But... Well, see, that's that's enough for uh, I think some people because if you review that or if you put that out somewhere, they're gonna people that know your work and trust your judgment are gonna go on that. You don't have to worry about necessarily at this moment finding the perfect words to present the book in a better light. Because in a lot of cases, your word is enough. Well, I thank him for saying that. (laughs) That's that's honoring me, really. Now, but that's people trust you. Whether or not they should. <laughs> well, it's a track record based on all the well, books I produced. Look, look, look at what we did last night. We went to see that film because Eric said so. We trusted him. Yeah. We didn't and know we, and we weren't disappointed. Uh-huh. And I barely know him, but yet I could just tell. 
and and you also were chiming in because you know him way better than me. Uh, and I fell asleep, but. Did you fall asleep? A little bit, yeah. Oh, no. Well, yeah. Well, I got up really early. For <laughs> he that. got I up at, out here yesterday. He got uh, up at like one, our one in the morning to uh-huh. fly here. Uh-huh. Yesterday, so yeah. Oh, that, oh that's that was, right. Oh, yesterday. Uh, yeah. So, uh, yeah, I was up for almost a day before uh, the movie started. Yeah. So. No, you are pardoned. So to sit sit in a movie theater at 7 o'clock in the dark. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> the last movie. Yeah. was fun. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, that's what it is. I mean, so I, I, I'm, I'm, very, I'm, I'm certainly very curious about the book since, you know, since you've been talking about it, and that's how life works, and it looks great. I mean, to me, that's you mentioned. You mentioned earlier that I, I didn't get to say this, but I do buy books still because I think they look cool. Yeah. Okay, yeah. because yeah. and I, I mean, think, it's just it looks so nice. Uh, thank you, thank yeah. you, Vale, for what you said about it. <laughs> well, I also we're following in Penny Rambeau's advice, which is a very pithy: look good, uh-huh. sound. <laughs> and I won't go into my usual dialectical argument. Well, don't use the word good because that implies bad, uh-huh. and and everyone's a mixture of good and bad. Uh-huh. I mean, I could go on like that forever, <laughs> yeah. but that so simplifies why look good, sound good. Uh-huh. Okay, yeah. I'll try. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So, I don't know. So Maybe true. we better officially end the podcast by. by, by <laughs> By thanking everyone here, yeah. and um, you know, I never even asked you. We're talking with someone whose name I have a super hard time memorizing. Sumit Bonerji is easy. Sumit, I don't know why it's difficult. Sumit. Yeah. But he's the author of a book called Ice Party, which he self-published, but we're not supposed to say that because people, people put that down. Uh-huh. Yeah. They do. Don't they tell do. anyone uh, you did. Yeah. Oh, yeah, Mushroom Books, they're a great San Francisco <laughs> publisher. They do gorgeous <laughs> typography, beautiful uh-huh. design, you know, et cetera, et cetera. Uh-huh. And then we're also talking with, the, with Jerry, Jerry Connolly, who lived there 17 years and moved away to Michigan two years to care after elderly parents as a that's one motive but he's also runs several record labels and and knows that pretty encyclopedically a lot about indie independently produced music which is dear to my heart yeah. the idea of independently produced music at least yeah. and um, and then you know we encourage independent culture uh-huh, creation. Uh-huh. Yeah, I, yeah, I believe in that too. Not yeah. corporate. <laughs> and yet, you know, I, I'm not saying I'm so proud and pure and, and wonderful because I suppose if someone offered me a big corporate publishing deal, I'd just grab it. So I'm not, you know, I, I don't trust myself either. Uh-huh. So we've come to the end of the research podcast. Uh-huh. <laughs> And, you know, thank you for listening, and we hope you'll tune in again.